hate to go all technical on you, but all hands on deck, swirly thing alert! Attention! Listen, you motherfuckers. Buckle up, pedal heads. You're experiencing the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Are you fucking it high? Was- yes, I am! Asshole face man! You are my podcast, my only podcast. So if you fucking take my podcast away, I'm gonna shove my foot so far up your ass. Oh talking. my god! It's very creepy. Just a little weird. Maybe it'll catch on. Who knows? It is out of sheer morbid curiosity. I'm allowing this freak show to continue. How do you fix that, though? Take a big step back and literally suck my dick. Do I have your attention? Send your dick pics. (laughs) I got a whole folder full of dick pics, okay? Are you interested? I know you are, because it's fuck or walk. You're shitting me. Have you made your decision for Christ? To tell you the truth. I don't give a shit. I would not say such things if I were you. Who the fuck are you? Phone Boy and Phoenix. I don't know Phone Boy. Those two are those two are pretty interesting to listen to. Oh, they're horrible. They're fucking nuts! But they don't know shit about fuck, clearly. You just can't trust them. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <clears throat> Bullshit. Now with twice the whores. That's The right. offensive has begun! The offensive has begun. We have twice the whores, and it is episode 112 of The Lotus Effect, provisionally titled Degrees of Asshole. And much like the show title, which will likely change, the show's made up, the content doesn't matter, and once again, I am Phoenix. Breathing and swallowing is my superpower. Oh. Yeah, and uh, I'm Phone Boy. The guy is jizzing all over himself. Yeah, That's pretty right. much. Yeah, well. And, uh, you know, if you've never experienced the Lotus Effect, boy, you're in for a treat. Uh, hit it, phone boy. What is this, a freak out? This is kind of strange. This is terrific. I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing! We're there. I just had an orgasm. I swear to God, every time you turn around, that guy's having an orgasm. I don't know what's going on with him. I think he's got a disorder. Well, that's right. The Lotus affects everyone differently, and apparently it makes him has an orgasm. So however or wherever the Lotus is affecting you, thank you for your courage and for propagating the model of the Podfather himself. Now, if you're new to the No Agenda family, welcome, and here's how it works. We are a value-for-value podcast. Now, I won't say that I um, understand everything, but it was certainly uh, different, and, oh, uh, yes, well well worth a dollar. Well, we hope that uh, the value that we provide for you is is worth more than a dollar but uh you know whatever that value is worth in the form of the entertainment we provide whatever value you put on that whether it be your time your talent or your treasure please contribute it back to us and the ways that you can do that is you can go to lotuseffect.show and click on the green we like money button send us some of your fiat fun coupons via paypal 
because we are a charitable organization. And if your money offends you, we'll be glad to take it off your hands. You can also join our Boostagram party that we got going on using a 2.0 podcast app. You can send us Boostagrams during the live show <clears throat> or anytime you feel like it because we'll still get them. And if you do not have a podcast app that allows you to splash the walls with Satoshis, well, take off all your clothes and go to nudepodcastapps.com. Or if you're a little more shy, go to newpodcastapps.com. Get you one of those podcasting 2.0 apps so you can splash the walls with Satoshis here in the Lotus. Now, if you're one of those old-fashioned, old fogey boomers <clears throat> like us, you can send us something through the snail mail. If you would like our address, you can hit us up in the back channel. We'll be glad to provide it to you. So we are going to talk about the people who provided value through their Boostergrams and their Fiat Fun coupon donations. That's right. And so um, we are... Uh, so we didn't actually get, we didn't have, uh, during last night's Rideshare Radio, there really wasn't any Boostergrams. Um, we usually, that's usually... Oh, yes, there was. Oh, there was. Well, oh, yes, there was, because I did one. Oh, well, I, I, okay, well, then I need oh, to apparently go. Oh, oh, you're going to make me grab it. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Where did, did it go? Am I not on the mic or something? Oh, it's here. Oh, okay, what here we go. Fuck? Oh, we just, bad we just got one. Bad podcaster, get the spray bottle. Okay, well, I missed it. That's missed... right. Bad podcaster, get the spray However, bottle. We but just you know what? White Mike just slammed home 33333 we also got a $1 boost donation for a song for anticipation. Mama T says, what I've been doing all day, waiting for FedEx, who never showed up. Boy, do we know that feeling. Yeah, we know, we do know that feeling. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Rev and then, Cyber Trucker came in strong with 3333. <laughs> Sats saying Waldorf Statler 2024. Yeah, we, we can't argue with that. I can. That's second true. Assure. And then I figured I would slide a 4200 sat boost in for goddamn too high. Yeah, I just just making. I just was making. High. Yeah, I was just making sure we didn't get any other ones here as I was going through the going it's through the chat good. from last night. Yeah, it was. I yeah, there wasn't a lot of. Bo I for, I had forgotten you had done a boostergram. So all right, that's okay. We we've uh, we got it in there. That's cool. But uh, and we got yeah, we've got to also got to copy paste the got to we got to now I got to copy paste the white mic one in there just so that I know where this is. Well, while we, you're doing that, I'm going to talk about the fact that there's other ways that you can provide us feedback. I got mail! Yay! That's right. You can send us a message on No Agenda Social. He is at Phoneboy. I am at Phoenix, P-H-E-O-N-I-X. You can also send us an email, phoneboy at lotuseffect.show or phoenix at lotuseffect.show. And I assure you, I check my emails every day. So if you send something, I'm going to get it. We talked about the snail mail that you can send to us. And you can also weigh in on our refire topic by calling 253-237-3321. And One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingy. Dell Computers, this is Chip. That's right. Ernestine and Chip are not standing by, but Google Translate is. And when you call in to weigh in on who is your favorite sports ball team, who's your football fave, 
you can, uh, like we said, 253-237-3321. Your transcript will probably get mangled because that's what Google Transcript does. It does not understand English. It is an AI. So you can end up as a show title. And it could be artificial stupidity, which is, you know, it's what, what, well, I, what yeah. I refer to it as. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Speaking of show titles, I should probably have my, I, I, I need to make sure that I have my. Yes, uh, you need to have your notebook and your pen. So, again, 253-237-3321. Tell us what your favorite sports ball team is or anything else you want to weigh in on. Last week, we asked you if you preferred white or dark meat. That's still applicable. Any other past refire topics? Go ahead and just shoot us a voicemail and tell us about your situation here. And then, you know, we play them during the refire segment. And here you go. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide and say, give it to me straight, doctor. I can take it. That's right. But when you give us feedback, we have just one rule here in the Blossom. Oops, I can hit the button. We don't want your shit. Please, Please don't send us your shit. shit. Yeah, that's right. What we mean by that is be respectful. We're not going to put up with any racial slurs. We're not going to put up with any anti-Semitic bullshit. You all know what I'm talking about. So be respectful. Don't care. Like us. Hate us. Tell us about it, but do so with respect. Otherwise, shut the fuck up. Arr, shiver me timbers and boost me, bitch. That's right. Don't forget to boost us. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to jump right into our health section, which of course is brought to you by Pfizer. And this one's going to get y'all. By the way, I, 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 honey, I got to give you credit. So this is, even though I know this is not, uh, we, this is probably not the place we talk about this, but yeah. So I want to, I want to highlight that a lot that some of the clips that are in this uh, were, were actually taken by my better half here. We've got, kind of got her set up with stuff. I'm, I'm proud of her. Yes. Phone boy has taught Phoenix how to do clips with Pythonista. I'm really coming up in the world. Yeah, we'll talk. Well, as I say, we'll talk about that more in the toast and jam. Yes, wanted, we will. But I wanted to highlight the fact that she took that clip, and I'm, I'm, I'm there's, there's, a f- there's several clips in here that she, she's taken, and yeah, so majority, we, not to toot my yeah, own horn. Well, there you go. But I did majority of them. All right. So meanwhile, so, um, so, so here we go. We have it. So playing a role in the sudden rise of transgender children may be transhousing by proxy, a, conter- a term coined for narcissistic parents who pushed so-called gender transitioning on their children. And some experts say, wow, yes, celebrities are increasingly in the limelight with announcements about their children who come out as transgender or non-binary. The um, non-binary individuals identify as neither male or female. Now, trans. Okay, I I have to jump in here because I know I made a NAS post at one point in time and said something to the effect of, has anyone out there wondered what genitalia a they them has? Yeah, me neither. Isn't that isn't that supposed to be they them? I would believe would be a Ken or a Barbie doll. They have no genitalia. Good point. Now I have a question. Were you on mute when beginning that segment? I don't know if I was or not. But uh, was I? I don't know because, because when I looked it, over, your it, mute button was on when I jumped in. So it makes me wonder: Did you hit it when I jumped in, or had you been fucking on mute the whole time? I don't think I have. Well, we'll find out. I mean, we didn't get too far into the story. I'm not too. We'll we'll figure it out if there, when we see it in the waveform. We'll we'll check it out. But anyway, well, you're screwed if so, because yeah, well. you pretty much got like an entire paragraph out. If you were on mute, so no, I got, I got, whoever's I, I, listening live, if you're in the chat, 
let us know was phone boy on mute when he started before i jumped in that's Just not curious. a big deal but but it's but i only got two two sentences into it so transhausen by proxy isn't an officially recognized psychological condition it's a play on an official condition known as munchausen syndrome by proxy it's a mental illness it is also sometimes called men- medical child abuse or f- factish disorder imposed on others it's exhibited mostly by women seeking attention by exaggerating or making up an illness of children others in their care Gee, it's it's starting to sound like my ex with my daughter anyway. Yeah, uh, maybe. Transhausen by proxy has very real effects on society, experts say. Now, but celebrities aren't the only one heralding transgender and non-binary children. um, Parents routinely post on social media cheering their children's transition or advocating for transgender rights. Now, some parents have been featured in news articles for fleeing red states that block transgender procedures for children and moving to blue states where gender-affirming care is allowed. That is so gross. I just have to... I just have to jump in here because the fact that states are literally they're allowing this child abuse. And quite honestly, uh, if you really want the unbelievable story of what's going on in the government's hand in abusing our children and exploiting them, join us for Coffee and Chronic 7 a.m. Monday morning on the No Agenda stream. That's Central Time with myself and Hempress Emily. That's right. Now, um, so the the increase in cases of gender dysphoria in families with multiple transgender children have led some medical and mental health professionals to suspect psychological illness, such as narcissistic personality disorder is involved. Fuck yeah. Oh, I would agree. You, okay. And, and, and it's okay. So when I was, when I, when I went through this article, I was, I was, it was, first of all, it's the first time I had sort of heard, um, you know, sort of the transgender nonsense associated with narcissism, but it makes nothing but sense because oh, completely, yeah. Because what 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 do narcissists like to do? They like to try and bend. They, they like to try and bend uh, the reality to match their view of it versus accepting the reality as it is. Um, it's definitely di- um, narcissism is definitely a mental disorder. That's right. Now. So Dr. Erica Lee is a pediatrician in Spokane, Washington, who considers herself an old school liberal. She's not. Oh, man. I didn't even realize this was out of fucking. Well, no, fuck Jay Inslee land. No, this is. Well, the, 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 the author that they did. Now, Spokane is more purple than than red, but um, or purple than blue. I mean, because it, it anyway. But it, so early in her career, she considered becoming a pediatrician specializing in gender dysphoria. However, she began to question why doctors were advocating for medical procedures to transition children without solid, solid scientific evidence that the procedures came with an overwhelming benefit for their young patients, she said. Now, if the cause of gender dysphoria is unknown in a patient and the pr- prognosis of treatment is uncertain, then radical treatment with morbid side effects isn't justified, she said. Now, and she believes uh, contemporary gender medicine is no longer based on reality. Now, she said it's more about ideology and the outcomes and long term side effects of treating gender dysphoria are murky. And until recently, gen- gender dysphoria was a rare and occurred mainly in young males. Now, left untreated, the, the condition often resolves naturally after puberty. Um, in some cases, children struggling with gender dysphoria turned out to be gay, according to studies. But in recent years, many in favor of gender-affirming care argue that medical interventions save lives by reducing suicidal tendencies in youth. It sounds like they, I bet they almost do the opposite, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, they assert that it's a human right for people to be able to identify as the opposite sex and that society must be accepting. Now, Dr. Now, in some cases, sees another force at work: parents with personality disorders. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, yes, 
The narcissism of some of these mothers has to be exposed, she said. Mothers in particular may use the attention from having a transgender child to feel this way. Yeah, MSM, you know, um, yeah, the, uh, what is MSBP that they say in here? This is uh, Munchausen, Munchausen, Munchausen syndrome, syndrome by, by proxy. proxy. Yes, in parents has been described by insiders working in gender clinics in the United States and abroad, Dr. Lee said, that the condition is associated with what's known in personality research uh, as the dark triad, she said. Now, those Exhibiting the dark triad express Machiavellian, Machiavellianism, which uses deception to win power. They also express underlying psychopathy, such as amoral behavior. And they express narcissism, which is the need for admiration coupled with an absence of empathy for others. God, that sounds like my ex. Um, just in February, Jamie Reed, a former case manager at the Washington University Transgender Center at, at St. Louis Children's Hospital, exposed practices at the clinic and described parents who were adamant about transitioning their children. Now, her revelations became the catalyst for Missouri lawmakers to draft a law barring home hormone therapy for minors. That is definitely a step in the right direction uh, by all accounts that someone is finally standing up for these kids and saying, no, we are absolutely not going to put up with that shit. It's a step in the right direction after all. After all, it's... Yeah, yeah that. It's, it's just, it, it's truly disgusting that parents are not be... I mean, the courts are supporting this. Instead of saying, oh my God, that's child abuse, you're allowing your eight-year-old to have hormone replacement therapy and a sex change... They're going, yeah. Oh, you don't support your child transitioning? Oh, we're going to take them away from you because you're a bad parent. Well, no, well, you're no, no, a broken no. system. No, well, it's even well, it's even worse. Is that that? Yeah, then you've then you've got the system trying to the parents that are objecting. Now you've got the system trying to basically take that right away from the parents. You know? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and so, out where you're from, yeah. I believe they passed a law where at 12 years old you can make your own medical decisions. So if you decide, hey, I'm Johnny, but I want to be Janie, cut my cock off. Mom and dad can't say shit about it, but you bet their ass that the uh, state is going to be paying for it and they're going to be doing everything they can to cut the balls off the parents and take the responsibility on themselves. And then, I mean, it's, again, Coffee and Chronic, 7 a.m. Central Monday. You need to hear about the shit they're doing to your children. The MK Ultra is thick. Yes, it is. Now, uh, so in, in February, Jamie Reed, a former case manager at the... I already said that. Okay, so Revelation... Okay, so in the July article appearing in LBG, LGBT Courage Coalition, Miss Reed wrote about how children at the clinic were the victims of one parent's own psychological needs. As horrible as this is to say, I see parents, primarily moms, who showed signs of Munchausen syndrome by proxy, Miss Reed wrote. Miss Reed, a lesbian and a mother of five, described how the center... The center tore families apart when both parents didn't agree to putting their children on hormones. Fathers often attempted to stop the medical transitioning of their children, she wrote. And staff, she wrote, often referred to those fathers as idiots or said they had patriarchal issues. Okay, I have a question. Wait! Back up for a second. You're a parent. I'm yeah. a parent. Yeah. A lot of our pedal heads are parents. Yeah. yeah. Why? It, hold up a second here. This has got my brain locked. I'm sorry. As a parent, now you have a, a son, a daughter, I have two sons, irrelevant to the fact, um, you, and, and this was actually a thing because your ex-heifer came to you at one point about the fact that your daughter wanted a breast reduction and you were like, fuck no, not on my dime. 
this how is it your child wants to i'm this i'm sorry my brain officially locked i can't even get the statement out how the fuck is it as parents that if your child wants to transition, the conversation has not already occurred prior to going to this medical appointment that this is what we're doing. You need to be cohesive. This cannot be dad doesn't want it and mom does or mom doesn't want it and dad does. This needs to be what are you doing to your children? If you can't even talk to and agree with one another over whether you're going to let your son become your daughter or vice versa, just horrible you people should be ashamed of yourselves here's the thing though we're again we're dealing with narcissists right this is the whole this i makes- understand we're dealing with narcissists but that i i find that to be a really weak ass argument as to how they are doing this and no one is giving a flying fuck well remember the system is active that's the point yeah it's well, obviously obscene that's <coughs> the point yes but that's what i'm but here's here. But yeah, I mean, like I said, we're dealing with <coughs> you're dealing with a system that's actually that's actively like basically taking the rights away. And you're also it, it, it's it's it, it, <coughs> I'm telling you, it all ties in with what we're talking about on Coffee and Chronic. Yeah. It, it really does, because they are trying first. They're trying to turn these children into cookie cutter, mindless little cogs. And then they're trying to further scramble their brains by indoctrinating them about, oh, don't you feel like a girl? Don't you want to get rid of your penis? Don't you think boys have more fun? Like you sick motherfuckers out there. Okay, wait a minute. I shouldn't. Now that time I muted myself. Um, yes, they are sick motherfuckers. But, um, but the, so basically, and, and basically the end of the story is like, okay, so that yeah, the Miss Reed, the, the, she said she no longer trusts affirming doctors because they are blinded by ideology, and I think that's pretty much the thing. And, and you know, and often dads were fighting for the most reasonable things: more time in therapy, therapy with a provider who would actually explore his child's desire to escape his or her own body was coming from, time to allow the mental health professionals to do proper psychotherapy. So, you know, this is so it's not like it's not like they were saying, no, it's like, hey, let's take some other steps before we go down and do something that's going to permanently alter the child for fucking life. Well, that's what it would when you do when you transgender, it used to be you had to go through mandatory therapy in order to be recognized and to get your um, to get your name change and things like that. Um, you would actually have to prove that you had gone through therapy. That has gone by the wayside. It is absolutely atrocious what they are doing, and they don't even care. To tell you the truth, I don't give a shit. And honestly, well, they don't. Well, from the next story, it's obvious they don't care about the children. Oh, completely. And you know. Yeah. We- oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton has sued Pfizer and Tris Pharma for defrauding the Texas Medicaid program by providing adulter- adulterated pharmaceutical drugs to Texas children. Now, specifically, Pfizer, um, Pfizer's ADHD drug uh, equivalent XR was knowingly distributed to children on, on Medicaid despite the drug maker's pattern of failing quality control tests due to flawed manufacturing processes by Tris, which Pfizer contracted with to produce the drug, according to the complaint. And I'm horrified. I'm shocked. 
shocked to find there's gambling going on here, said Texas uh, AG Ken Paxton. Uh, Pfizer and Tristan are intentionally concealed and failed to disclose the issues with Quivalent uh, to, to receive uh, taxpayer-funded benefits through Texas Medicaid, defrauding the state and endangering children. Our civil Medicaid fraud division has done an outstanding job holding these pharmaceutical companies uh, accountable. Now, according to the filing, at no point did defendants warn Texas Medicaid providers or decision-makers that Equivalent uh, had known manufacturing issues affecting its efficacy, thereby depriving the Medicaid program of the crucial information it relies on. And as a result, thousands of Texas children received an, un- an adulterated Schedule II controlled dangerous substance. Yeah, again, the fucking drug companies being held completely unscathable for their just abhorrent action. Yeah. Wait. Let me find my shocked face. I've lost it again. Yeah, well, uh, might as well. Yeah, we, we might as well lose uh, the next thing here. Now we need a longer beep on that one, I think. Yeah, I realized that that long that beep was nowhere long enough, but you get the idea. That's right. So, a new study published Monday outlines an increased risk to younger adults for so-called silent atherosclerosis, suggesting that risk factors like high cholesterol and hypertension should be addressed earlier in life to present to prevent the disease from uh, developing further. Yes, because instead of looking at the fucking diet you're shoveling into these people's faces, because that couldn't possibly the reason why they're suffering from the silent atherosclerosis. Well, I'll, I'll get into my theory on that in a second. Now, the study carried out at Spain's Centro Nacional de Investigaciones Cardiovasculares uh, and published in the Journal of American College of Cardiology analyzed the key arteries, including the cardioid, femoral, and coronary arteries and aortas of more than 4,000 healthy middle-aged employees of a bank in Madrid. Uh, the researcher, that's, that's what we call a convenience sample. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So the researchers found that even more moderate increases in blood pressure and cholesterol were shown to significantly impact the risk of atherosclerosis in younger adults. Now, risk factors like high cholesterol and hypertension, they're not, yeah, be, yeah, those, those are, uh, those are symptoms of a bigger problem, of course. Um, um, uh, yeah, it say that it, 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 anyway, that high cholesterol and hypertension can affect young, uh, younger adults' chances of atherosclerosis later in life more, more than previously known. Now, testing earlier in life between the ages of 20 and 25 and aggressively mitigating the risk is beneficial, Dr. Borja Abanez, the scientific director of the CNIC and one of the authors of the study. Uh, now, given these findings, it would be worthwhile for healthcare providers to start assessing cardiovascular risk earlier on, including uh, during checkups in early adulthood. Um, this approach is consistent with the idea of early intervention and aggressive control of cardiovascular risk factors as a means of reducing drugs and disease burden. Now, of course, the way I look at this is they're just trying to get the kids on the drugs sooner. That's that's of course. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's fantastic. But anyway, um, you know, of course, meanwhile, we're also uh, on to this next story here. Now, a simulation study uh, conducted by a team from the Technical University of Munich uh, um, in, in demonstrates that soft drink tax in Germany would have significant positive effects. Now, in all of the simulated variants, uh, evaporated the, uh, you know, um, Let's see. Let's see. I'm trying to, okay. And all the simulated variants evaluated, less sugar was consumed and the rate of illness dropped. Now, this would be a way to reduce costs um, to the national economy and alleviate the burden on the healthcare system. There is, however, a difference between taxes aimed at reducing soft drink consumption and taxes aimed at bringing about changes in product formulation. Now, uh, a team led by Michael Laxey and the University of Liverpool's uh, Chris uh, 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 Krippemeridos has now uh, reported that its calculations on the effects of introducing a tax in Germany, and it was published in 
plus medicine. Now we were interested in both the short-term and long-term consequences. Therefore, we simulated. I want to I want to highlight that word simulated, right? The effects of the most common international taxation strategies for the time period from 2023 to 2043, said Michael uh, Laxey. Existing soft drink taxes can be roughly classified in one of two groups. In the United Kingdom, for example, so companies have to pay levies tiered according to the volume of sugar in their soft drink formulas. In Mexico, however, the tax is added to all soft drinks independent of their sugar content. Now, the, the results from international studies show that the latter variant primarily leads to a reduction in the demand for soft drinks, while the first variant is also associated with a change in formulas, meaning less sugar in soft drinks. Now, I want to point out that Mexico actually has labeling. If a product contains sugar, it has a warning thing on the label, much like cigarettes have a warning. Thankfully, Mexico's gotten smart and putting warnings on products that contain sugar. I think that's definitely a step in the right direction, personally. And if you're actually looking at it in the context of this stu of this study, they don't talk about product labeling differences because that make that also will make a huge difference. Because if the if the label of the product says this thing might fucking kill you, maybe you won't fucking put it in your mouth, or you might be a little more choosy on exactly which products that are gonna fucking kill you that you put in your mouth. That's right. So um, now, according to the simulation, again, we're using the term a flat rate, 20 percent surcharge on soft drink prices would reduce daily consumption uh, by daily sugar consumption by one gram per person. Now, uh, now that's that, really not that much, if I'm honest. Yeah, though. doesn't seem that much. Looking at men between 30 and 49 years of age, only, the only the amount would even be almost three grams. Right now, the the impact of a 30 percent reduction of sugar and beverage formulas, as was observed in the United Kingdom after the introduction of a tiered levy, would have even more pronounced effects. Now, less sugar and beverages would ideally per, would would reduce daily per capita consumption in Germany by 2.3 grams or by 6.1 grams for men between 30 and 49. Now. When it comes to health effects, the models make quite a clear statement. In both taxation models, there were significantly fewer cases of obesity, type 2 diabetes, and cardiovascular disease. Now, the, the figures for type 2 are particularly impressive, says, says Carl uh, Emirate Fees. Now, according to our models, again, only again models, over the next 20 years, taxation will result in as many as, as 244,100 fewer people becoming ill with type 2 diabetes later, or not at all. Um, according to the researchers, the, pos the positive in uh, impacts would also manifest themselves as financial financial savings. A tax on sugar drinks would mean less treatment of patients. Costs reducing from resulting from sick leave, inability to work, and similar factors would also be reduced. The team determined national economic savings of approximately 16 billion euros for the simulated health or, or simulated period with a tiered tax of about 4 billion euros. It accounted for by healthcare costs. A 20% flax rate would still result in a total of about 9.5 billion euros. How about we fucking ban sugar entirely, folks? I'm I'm in favor of that. Yeah, why aren't we doing that? But you know, just rem just remember, folks. And I gotta I, I, let me make sure I actually am getting to where I need to go for this, because because uh, remember, folks. Uh, you know, when you when you see this, uh, let me see where is it here. When you when you know, just remember, folks. When the, the, the thing about this story, it's only a model. Yeah. Shh. So. I'll so all of these, uh, all of the secure, all of the uh, conclusions that might come from this might actually be <clears throat> bullshit. No, although we know the real answer, they should be ban They should be banning sugar. Ban sugar. That's just the. It's real simple. Ban sugar. Take these motherfuckers out. And I'm gonna, I wanna offer a sidebar on this because you see all of these commercials on the truth about cigarettes and the truth about vaping and da -da 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 -da. I got a question y'all anyone out there ever see a the real truth about sugar no 
we never hear anything said about all the dangers of sugar in a commercial form. Why is that? Hmm. Oh, that's right. Because the fucking sugar industry owns everything. You would not believe how many different holes the sugar industry has their dick in. Well, well, not only that, um, they're major advertisers on on the on the television networks, and, and so and the shit is in everything. Yes. Let's just be honest. So, um, wait a minute. Can you? Uh, get, um, I I can't hear. Can you uh, play the next? Uh, Speak up, son. I'm an old man, you know. I'm not. I'm not that old, but I'm old enough. You're still always going to be three years. Yeah, older than yeah, me. yeah. Uh, so hearing loss affects more than sixty percent of adults age seventy and older in the United States, and is known to be related to an increased risk of dementia. Now, the reason for this is not fully understood. Um, to better understand the connection, a team of University of California, San Diego, and Kaiser Permanente Washington uh, Health Research Institute uh, researchers uh, employed hearing tests and magnetic uh, resonance imaging, or MRIs, to determine whether hearing Im impairment is associated with different differences in specific brain regions. Now, in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease, researchers reported that individuals enrolled in this observational study who had hearing impairment exhibited microstructural differences in the auditory areas of the temporal lobe and in the areas of the frontal cortex involved with speech and language processing, as well as areas involved with executive function. Now, these re results suggest that hearing impairment may lead to changes in brain areas related to the processing of sounds, as well as in areas of the brain that are related to attention. Now, the extra effort involved with trying to understand sounds may produce changes in the brain that lead to increased risk of dementia, said uh, Principal Investigator Linda K. McAvoy, uh, PhD, UC uh, San Diego Herbert uh, uh, Wertheim School of Public Health and, and Human Longevity Science Professor Emeritus. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a mouthful right there. If so, interventions that help reduce the cognitive effort required to understand speech, such as the use of subtitles on television and movies, live captioning or speech-to-text apps, hearing aids, and visiting with people in quiet environments instead of noisy spaces, could be important for protecting the brain and reduce the risk of dementia. Now, by the way, all of that shit is being, I can assure you, because I, because I, you know, because I took Phoenix's mom to the, to the hearing aid place down the road, um, I can assure you they're promoting the, the, all of this stuff and saying, yes, it's good to get your, you know, good to get your hearing checked out because of that. And I, and, you know, and I know it's, um, like I said, it, 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 it seems, it, it is one of the, uh, you know, it's, I can say it seems to be helping to, for, for your mom to have some hearing aids and, and, uh, yeah, it is helping. Yes, it, it is. So, um, so McAvoy designed and led the study um, at, while at UC San Diego in collaboration with Rees and UC San Diego School of Medicine investigators who gathered the data from the Rancho Bernardino study of health aging, a longitudinal cohort of residents of the Rancho Bernardino suburb in San Diego that launched in 1972. For this analysis, 130 study participants underwent hearing threshold tests and research clinic visits between 2003 and, 20, and 2005 and subsequently had MRI scans between 2014 and 16. The study results show that hearing impairment is associated with regionally specific brain changes that may occur due to sensory deprivation and the increased effort required to understand auditory processing stimulations. Now, uh, the findings emphasize the importance of protecting one's hearing by avoiding prolonged exposure to loud sounds, something your mother um, definitely had. Working it. in a factory for basically her entire life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and she was wearing hearing protection. Um, exactly. And, and still And I know for a fact she wore hearing protection and it still happened. Yeah. So, um, and reducing the use of onotog uh, 
uh, autotoxic medications, said Dr. co-author Emily T. Rias, a PhD assistant professor at the UCSD School of Medicine. Um, so, yeah, and I think it's, these are, it's, yeah, it's important to be able, you know, when that is, it, the question is, is what, you know, does it, does it, does the, is, is it the brain that affects the ears or is it the ears that affect the lack of the ears functioning, affecting the brain? It's, I mean, it, it could go either way. It could but go it, either way, but absolutely. It, but, but the fact is, is that it, and it makes sense that if you're not able to hear well enough that it might, that yeah, your brain has to work harder and that might be, I could, I could act, this makes total sense to me. Well, yeah, because think about the fact that um, when you can't quite hear what was said, your brain is trying like it, it, it's like a, a over revved engine trying to make out what words were just said so that you don't necessarily have to ask what was said or get wrong your response because you thought you heard this, but you really heard that. Yeah. So what did you say something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Um, maybe, maybe you need to hear this. My baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. My baloney has a second name. It's M-A-Y-E-R. Okay. I, I want, I, before I get into the story, I, I, I have to point out something. So we're, we're talking, cause we were having a debate for, for, for a different, um, for a different story. We're having a debate about what clip to use um, for it. Now, this kind of proves the point of because because the, the time period that this clip came from, I think, also uh, applies to the to the time frame of the clip I chose. And I understand we had a little difference of opinion on it, but I'm just saying that's this is speaking to our audience. If you know what if you if you remember that, that if you've seen that commercial yourself, you probably um, if you know where that commercial comes from, you're fucking old. Yeah, that's right. So and what, what I was going to play later anyway, that, that, like I said, just thought i'd i thought i'd make a little rant about that while i had the moment that was the weakest rant i think you've ever made i'm 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 sad oh my. no but like i'm saying anyway i i will i will come back to it when we actually went to the clip that we actually ended up settling on because there's fair enough i think i think it'll make more sense i didn't i don't want to i don't want to bury the lead so to speak so i'm you know i'm trying to well I'm, you might want to get on with talking about uh this team that led by researchers from the university of Bristol and the International Agency for Research on Cancer, the IARC, analyzed the link between head, neck, and esophageal cancer and consumption of ultra-processed foods. They analyzed the diet and lifestyle data of 450,111 adults who were followed up for around 14 years. Wow. 14 years of tracing everything you eat. Now that's intense. Now the results were published in the European Journal of Nutrition and it found that ultra processed foods manufactured using industrial formulations with ingredients and additives such as emulsifiers, flavoring agents and artificial sweeteners generally not used in normal cooking in kitchens, soft drinks, packaged snacks, confectionaries, packaged breads, and buns are some examples of. Now, the studies have shown that ultra-processed food items can be as addictive as nicotine or alcohol. The use of certain types of additives, such as emulsifier E, in ultra-processed food has been linked to an elevated risk of cardiovascular disease. UPFs, which are ultra-processed foods, have been associated with excess weight loss and increased body fat in several observational studies. Now, this makes sense, as they're generally tasty, convenient, and cheap. 
favoring the consumption of large portions and an excess number of calories. However, it is interesting that in the study, the link between eating ultra-processed foods and upper aerodigestive tract cancer didn't seem to be greatly explained by body mass index and waist to hip ratio. According to the lead author of the study, Fernando Morales Bernstein, he said in a news release that the analysis showed that eating 10% more ultra-processed foods raised the risk of head and neck cancer by 23% and the risk of esophageal adrenocarcinoma by 24%. And in the large prospective cohort, the ultra-processed food consumption was associated with an increased risk of head and neck cancer and the esophageal adenocarcinoma. The positive association between the ultra-processed food intake and the head and neck cancer may be stronger in males than in females. The study indicated only a small portion of positive association was contributed by obesity, measured as adiposity in terms of BMI and waist-to-hip ratio. Now, we've talked about the whole ratio and BMI as being a big fat load of (coughs) bullshit. So other factors responsible for elevating risk include the use of additives such as emulsifiers and artificial sweeteners in the ultra-processed foods, which were previously linked to cancer. Contaminants in the packaging and manufacturing process could also contribute to the risk, according to the researchers. Which, again, water's known, wet. Yeah, water is fucking wet. We've known <clears throat> ultra processed foods do nothing but contribute to. Yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's not. It's, it's yeah. There's so many things about ultra processed foods that make it just like yeah. The, the just yeah. When you make it too easy for the body to uh, to consume, yeah, it gets lazy and, and it does. And it, it might even be in the wrong. You know, it's missing something that actually is necessary for the stuff to not kill you. So, um, so yeah. I mean, this is to me. This yeah feels like a waters is wet story. Um, it really felt like one to me. We've been talking extensively about how ultra processed processed foods are linked to cancer, obesity, diabetes, etc. So this is just another one of those. They dug it up. They dusted it off. They formed it around like a molded meatloaf and they presented it again, expecting that we were just going to swallow it obediently. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, I think it's uh, brand new to coffee, so I don't want too much. Yeah. Now, um, no, I, I, coffee grounds are apparently uh, actually. I used. I mean, I used to use them. Um, um, you know, I, I don't know. That's that, as much coffee as we could grind. I'm, I'm curious how much compost we could actually if we actually could do compost around here. But uh, but th- this is not what this story. I'm telling about. you, I cannot wait <clears throat> till we have the house and I can have a compost pile where all the coffee grounds go into it, as well as any food scrap, and we will have the most darkest delightful uh soil to grow vegetables in i'm super excited yeah meanwhile i should probably uh, probably mute that uh so neurodegenerative disorders including alzheimer's parkinson's and huntington's affect millions of people in the united states and the cost of caring for people who live with these conditions adds up to hundreds of billions of dollars each year now researchers from the university of texas at el paso may potentially have found a solution in used coffee grounds utah yeah yeah um and uh in a material it's it's discarded in homes 
homes and businesses around the world every day. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, the, I probably a lot of like um, Grinder House, um, I think Starbucks, they actually sell the coffee grounds. Oh, they give them away, actually. Oh, I thought. No, Starbucks sells theirs. No, no, no. They're at least okay. So what I remember in the P and Dub, they gave them away. So um, I don't know if I don't know. Around I don't here. know if Grinder House gives them away. I've seen them bagged. Yeah, they. You, but I almost feel like uh, they might give them away. But I know Starbucks charges. Yeah, because they have to dispose of them otherwise. So it's you know they're 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 ultimately it's mu- okay. So I'm gonna make a uh, I, I will make a um, a parallel. And uh, Rev Cybertrucker will probably appreciate this. So will Sir Truck Driver. I equate Starbucks selling their coffee grounds to TA, Petro, and all these other big name truck stops having uh, parking spots that you have to pay for. You're absolutely positively not spending any fucking money, yet you're making money getting something for nothing. Just just saying. Well, yeah, exactly. Now, um, so... A team led by Joshish Kumar, a, a doctoral student at the Department of Chemistry and Biochemistry, and overseen by Dr. Mahesha Narayan, a PhD a professor, the fellow of the Royal Society of Chemistry in the same department, found that a caffeic acid-based carbon quantum dots, or CACs or something like that, which can be derived from spent coffee grounds, have the potential to protect the brain cells from the damage caused by several neurodegenerative diseases if the, if the condition is triggered by factors such as obesity, age, and exposure to pesticides and other toxic environmental chemicals. Now, the work is described in a paper published in the November issue of the journal Environmental Research. Now, of course, it's, there's n- it's no surprise that maybe there is additional uh, compounds in coffee grounds because we we know coffee is pretty one of, one of the most healthiest uh, drinks on the on the planet. You know, we actually did an episode on coffee. I'm trying to remember exactly which number it was, but we talked about the positive health benefits and the fact that okay, yes, it contains caffeine, which is a stimulant. But of all the things that you can put in your body, the health benefits, in my personal opinion, and I'm pretty sure Phone Boys as well, far outweigh the detriment that you're doing in any way, shape, or form to your body by consuming coffee. Coffee drinkers, on the whole, are much healthier and happier. And we often joke about the fact that we have a caffeine stream, not a bloodstream. So I say pour a cup, roll up, hmm, coffee and chronic, 7 a.m., Monday morning yeah. central. By the way, by the way, episode thirty is when there we did the go. coffee episode. episode thirty. Yeah, it makes, you, it about makes you go crap. That's yeah. That's oh, that's right. That was the title. That was the title. So yes, I was looking through this while we we're, were doing this. So uh, so there was so, a reason I was vamping that. Yeah, way. exactly. Kumar and his colleagues found that uh, uh, caquides are were uh, were neuro uh, neuroprotective across uh, test tube experiments, cell lines, and other models of Parkinson's disease when the disorder was caused by a pesticide called Paraquat. Now the caquides, the team observed, were able to remove free radicals or prevent them from causing damage inhibited by the aggregation of amyloid protein fragments without causing any significant side effects. That sounds good to me. The team hypothesized that in humans, in the very early stage of a condition such as Alzheimer's or Parkinson's, a treatment based on caquides can be effective in preventing full-on disease. Now, caffeic acid belongs to a family of compounds called polyphenols, which are plant-based compounds known for their antioxidant or free radical scavenging properties. Now, caffeic acid is unique because it can penetrate the blood-brain barrier better and thus able to exert its effects upon the cells inside the brain, Narion said. Now, the, the process 
the team uses to extract cacodes from go used coffee grounds is considered green chemistry, which means it is environmentally friendly, whatever the fuck that means. Probably when, when I hear green friendly, I'm thinking somebody's going to make some fucking money off of it. That's pretty much what I look at it as. Oh, it's it's totally a, yeah. a buzzword for that. Yeah. In their lab, the team cooks samples of coffee grounds at 200 degrees for four hours to reorient the caffeic acid's carbon structure and form cacodes. The sheer abundance of coffee grounds is what makes the process both economical and sustainable. Now, the researchers acknowledged uh, that, that that they know the finish line is still far off, um, it, but uh, but for now, they're moving forward on a journey that may ultimately lead to medication, well, which is, of course, what this is all about on the end of a pill, perhaps. Oh, what a surprise! It's a money grab. It may prevent the vast majority of uh, neurodegenerative disorders that are caused by factors other than genetics. Well, you know, okay. I mean, if they can get something out of it, that's great. Now, um, I just think it's ridiculous. Every time you turn around, it's, we're doing this so we can pump you more full of pharma. <clears throat> but, you know, th this next story may help you to not have to maybe take so much pharma. Yeah, that was a good. Uh, that was a good one, honey. Uh, sleep is a fundamental uh, in maintaining a healthy lifestyle, with adults recommending between seven and nine hours a night. However, recent reviews indicate that forty percent of the global population doesn't get enough. Now, consequences of chronic sleep deprivation include cardiovascular disease, obesity, neurodegenerative disorders, and depression. In the short term, a lack of sleep can reduce cognitive performance, which takes a toll on your attention span, judgment, and emotional state. There's a reason why we often say never make life-changing decisions when you're tired. Yeah. Now, a study led by the University of Portsmouth has found that cognitive performance improves during a bout of moderate intensity exercise, regardless of a person's sleep status or oxygen levels. Now, Dr. Dr. Joe Costello from the University's School of Sport, Health and Exercise Services said, we know from existing research that exercise improves or maintains our cognitive performance, even when oxygen levels are reduced. But this is the first study to suggest that it also improves uh, uh, cognitive performance after both full and partial sleep deprivation and when combined with hypoxia. Now, the findings essentially significantly add to what we know about the relationship between exercise and these stressors and helps to reinforce the message that movement is medicine for the body and the brain. Now, I, something just occurred to me as I read this story. Now, because I was now, because this this goes back two years. I know I keep bringing this shit up, but it but it, this one. But I, it's, it's pertinent. I think it's pertinent. So, um, so the right before I uh, right before the insurrection, the last, you know, I don't know, we'll, we'll, we'll call it actually probably we'll call it even the last year of the of the of the insurrection. Yeah, I probably my 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 average I was sleeping OK for a little bit. And then at the end of the year, it started. Uh, it, I was getting like four and five hours of sleep at night. Now, I bet if I looked at the number of miles I was running per day during that time. <coughs> I can assure you I was doing more than 20 minutes of exercise. It was Oh, by far. I was I was doing, you know, like, you know, like 90 minutes, 2 hours, right? So, I was so I so cuz I kept cuz in my mind I kept thinking, okay, well what what is actually causing this um you know, what, what is actually causing this, uh, you know, I, I know that I know I've only got getting four or five hours of sleep, but I don't seem to be negatively impacted by this. What's going on? I don't I'm concerned about this. I think this ha this proves what was going on. Exactly. When I saw this, I went ding. My brain went. That's why you did that. Right. Because um, this that I, would also explain why I was more functional on less sleep when I was doing 30 minutes minimum per day of 
working out. This is something we really need to get back to. Yeah, I think so. But it kind of what it tells us is as long as we're as long as we're putting in doing the work, right, that it's not going to solve all the 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 issues associated with it, but it is but it's going to make it easier to do. And I, I think that 100 percent. Yeah. So. All right. Well, um, let's see. Anyway, basically, um, I'm, I'm skip around here a little bit. Um, so the paper says explanations for why um, cognitive performance improves during exercise, even when a person is sleep deprived and low on oxygen could be changes to the amount of the brain regulating hormones, as well as a number of psych psychophysiological factors, including cerebral blood flow, arousal and motivation. Now, it suggests uh, that cognitive performance is not solely dependent upon the prefrontal cortex area of the brain, despite it playing an integral role in the performance of tasks. Now, the paper recommends, of course, a further investigation to reveal what neurobiological mechanisms are behind the cognitive function process. This discovery would support anyone who experiences broken sleep or low oxygen, including climbers and skiers, but also parents of young children and shift workers. Uh, the authors also recognize that only healthy young people were included in the study and several individuals were withdrawn due to adverse events. They hope to carry out further investigation into the relationship between um, um, uh, cognitive performance and stressors with a broader mix of participants. They only have yeah, like I think you need to definitely get a more diverse group to do a study before you go full on with this particular theory. Although it has good, uh, it has good root and it seems to be gaining momentum. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So meanwhile, it's a... Why are we here? Because we're here on the boat. Okay, y'all. This is this is where the rant is going to come in, right? So, this is we. This, so, I had a premature rant before, and yes, I wrote it down as a show title. But premature uh, rant is that a euphemism? It's, it's pr something I don't know. But okay, so the the okay, so can you load the clip you were going to play? I I did not take my clip, but oh, um, just just I, I yeah I I yeah I I totally can. Yes, yeah, so, so okay. I I know what it was. So yeah, I'll, so I'll get it. Just give me a moment. Yeah, so. I, I didn't know you were planning on doing. Yes, this. I, think, I think it's. This is. We're, we're having fun here. This is. This is the kind of. This is the kind of. This okay. is the real reason people do. I will. Tune in. I will. I will fire the clip that I had. Dem bones, dem bones, dem Yes. Okay. It's it's just kind of a bland clip, right? Now it is. Now I, I was so I was good. So I, now I don't have it. I, I let me actually. You know what? I can I can I can actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do here myself. I, I love so it. will you please will you please vamp for a second while I? Do I, I love it. He does not plan to do this so that the clip is ready, but then he expects that in the middle of the show, I'm just supposed to vamp so he can find a clip yes. so that he can make a point and have a rant over why we disagreed on which clip should go. He pulled out the one that we ultimately played, which is some rush. And we, and I was completely like, yeah, that's great. I like that one. <clears throat> so I, we will let you listeners be the, the, judge over which clip would have been yes, I, I'm trying to actually get the I'm, I'm, I'm trying to unfortunately like the iPad is crashing here as I'm trying to actually pull oh up Oh my god. Yes. Did not we just buy this fucking No thing? no no it, it's it's, or is it's that the old one? No no this is the new one but it's the the, it, the problem is is that it was the, that the music stuff wasn't just yeah, it was not a not a pebcack but I don't know why it's not playing. What is going uh -oh. on here? No, we have an. There's an issue. This is why I gotta do. Uh, okay, I have so a feeling we, have we to need to power cycle it. Yes. Because sometimes it acts like an a hole. Yes. So I guess we'll just hang you know. on. Hang on a sec. All right. Well, 
So now, now I can do this again. Let me do this. Hold on. Why is it stop? Why did it stop fucking playing? Okay, now I got to kill music again. Let's wow, see riveting entertainment. Know, this is why we're not making any money. Because instead of being professionals, you're worried about a fucking rant over which clip was better to play when we chose a wonderfully fine clip that we introduced this story even though it is a disgusting story, in my opinion. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, it was, okay. I'm, I'm not going to play it, but I was going to play. Okay, so if you're, if you're a schoolhouse rock fan, you will know the song "Them Not So Dry Bones," right? That's what I was trying to pull up, but unfortunately, it just sounds horrible. Yes. However, it speaks to our fucking demographic. And. Yes, it speaks to our demographic. I thought better than that fucking clip, which I which which I thought which was which why was why we didn't fucking use yes, it. it was a, ter- it was a terrible clip. clip anyway. Why the fuck did we pull that clip anyway? That, that, I don't remember. It was it was it might have been an F Tam. It might have been something from F Tam or something too. It, it could have been. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. Why anyway, we I didn't it. think it was a great. I didn't think it was a great clip. But that's but that's just my opinion, man. I don't know. I'll why. tell you what. For Studio Thirty Three, you're gonna find that clip. And play it because you made such an absolute dick waving rant over the fact that you didn't like my clip. I didn't like the clip that you're trying to find. We chose to go with the clip that we went with, which was Rush. And you've now wasted five fucking minutes of airtime arguing about which fucking clip was right. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Breaking the balls. Breaking the balls. All right. Yeah, we're just breaking each other's balls. Yes, exactly. We, we, and we do, we do it on mic so that you're all entertained by it. So anyway, I should have had this clip earlier in the script now that I look at this. So Because we had a script about um, ADHD medications, right? So this would have actually been a good follow-up to that. So, um, so children taking a psychostimulant drugs prescribed for psychiatric disorders, including ADHD, who experience a common childhood fracture take longer to heal than children who don't take these drugs at university at Buffalo researchers report. Makes me wonder if in the side effects, um, delayed healing is listed. Doubt it. Yeah. The findings were published in the journal of pediatric orthopedics, uh, in, in September. Now the researchers note that not only is this finding important for children taking these drugs for ADHD and specific disorders, it is concerning in the light, the fact that many children in middle and high school, as many as one in four may be taking these drugs illicitly, according to a recent national report. Um, now the research emerged from the UB researchers, uh, preclinical work in which they developed a far, a pharma, a pharma, uh, animal model to examine how these drugs impact bone. They found that bone strength and density weakened in rats were administered, uh, in, in rats that were administered these drugs. Now this sparked the researchers interest in examining whether this was an issue for children who are prescribed these drugs, which are some of the most commonly, and they're, and they're commonly prescribed for that. Uh, so it's the most common, uh, psy- psychiatric disorder diagnosed in children, ADHD, a 2020 national survey found that 9.3% uh, or 5.6 million of children in the U.S. age 3 to 17 have been diagnosed with it. Me- uh, Methylphenidate and mixed amphetamine salts uh, marketed as Ritalin and Adderall, respectively, are the drugs most commonly prescribed for this condition. And I can tell you that uh, my ex, which is my oldest father, was prescribed Ritalin and my oldest was prescribed a derivative of Ritalin. And Adderall is a horrible fucking medication that causes people to become violent. I saw it in two different people. Yeah. So the, so the UB researchers did a retrospective review of pediatric records of patients and x-ray images over 10 years. They looked at the bone density of 62 children between the ages of 6 and 18 who were taking these drugs and who had a distal fracture. Um, 
which which accounts for a quarter of all childhood fractures. Uh, again, another kind of convenient sample. Um, it, it typically occurs when the child falls on an outstretched or flexed hand. Now, the patient, the longer a patient took the drug, the lower the bone density up to as much as 52% less compared to controls. However, that effect leveled off after five years of treatment. Thanos says his team's previous work has shown that these drugs impact at the uh, at the at the cellular level, and he says that the drugs uh, uh, are still a class differentiation and activity during healing. Osteoclasts are bone cells that play a critical role in normal bone remodeling with the final phase of fracture repair. Thanos, are we talking about the dude that can snap his fingers and fucking wipe out humanity? Really? We're trusting this prick? Yeah, I guess we're I guess we're testing we're testing this prick. Trusting. Uh, Testing, trusting, I don't know what difference, what, at this point, what difference does it make, right? Yeah, none. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so Thanos, like our show. Yeah. Thanos notes that at this point, it's unknown whether this issue with healing persists after the patient stops taking the drug or if the problem with bone density persists into adulthood. The finding from previous studies that females are more significantly affected also needs to be further studied. Also, of course, he adds that it is known that many children and young adults are taking these drugs to enhance cognition, often illicitly or by obtaining the drug from a friend or family member. Well, okay, whether who, whoever, yeah, whatever reason they're taking it, they probably shouldn't be taking it. No, it's it's an absolutely hor- horrible uh, piece of pharma that should definitely not be given to children. Again, I'm going to say it for those in the back who were, uh, you know, eating crayons. Change the diet of the child. Stop pumping them full of pharma. Yes, exactly. And meanwhile, it's time to uh, have a little the penis. The key to life is a penis in your asshole. I, I was going to say have a little penis in your asshole. Uh, I'm sure. No, I'll pass. I, I don't yeah, I'll do pass the penis too. in the asshole. Yeah, however. But I do like some happiness, and, uh, you know, this brings me happiness. Joey, have you ever been in a, in a Turkish prison? Now, if you put shame in a petri dish, it needs to have three ingredients to grow exponentially: secrecy, silence, and judgment. If you, if you can put the same amount of shame in the petri dish and douse it with empathy, it can't survive. And this is a quote from Brene Brown, which was the start of this start one of the articles. And now, shame is an insidious disease that does lives, breathes, and grows in darkness. And this is uh, uh, we we've been privately talking about. The, about some of the stuff anyway this is uh and it is there's always it's always the you know they they especially like narcissists like to isolate you and that kind of thing and that's part of where that, that's part of how this shame just sort of breeds and continues and so shame wants to be alone uh unless we do something about it it will lead us alive from the inside out and i think we're you know and and, and what to do what do we do with something that lives in the dark well something that craves isolation separation and disconnected well we sign a light on it and we, we often say that uh sunlight is the uh the uh, dis- is the best uh, disinfectant, right? It, 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 it cleans the stuff up. Now, something that craves... So uh, we shine a light on it by speaking about it and then by being open, by having the conversations we're afraid to have. And we, we do this on the show occasionally. We've had, we've, had, we've had our dick on the table moments, episode 16, by the way, if you haven't heard before. Um, so... Um, so shame withers and dies in the face of vulnerability. When we are vulnerable, not only do we shine a light on our shame, but we also give others permission to do so. Um, and and, uh, and, we, and we, when we shine a light on shame, we are vulnerable and open up and we take the first step out of darkness and we realize that we're actually not alone on this. So, and this is a, there's, there's a couple of tips and I think I can, I think these are all, I, I, I can, I can say in my own life, I think these, these all, this is basically what I did to get to a point where I'm in a, I'm in a better space than I was two years ago. 
And so and this guy, the, the, the author of this article spent time in a federal prison, right? So that gives you that perspective. And so um, to get to a point where you can be vulnerable, open and share stuff about your life. And here, so here's the, here's the steps he took. The first one would be accepting reality. Um, now, Nobody, and, and, and yeah, that's part of the problem with this is that sometimes you don't want to accept what actually happened, right? Um, it, it can, cause it feels like giving up, it feels passive and, but you know, fighting at least seems like you're making progress, but, but is it actually progress? What are you fighting against? Um, now you know, there, you know, a lot of, and a lot of times we, we wish we could go back in time and, and, and fix issues. We talk about this all the time, right? But unfortunately we don't always get to, we, we, we can't do that, right? We don't have, there isn't a DeLorean, there isn't a time machine. You cannot go back and fix things that happened in the past. Now, well, there is a DeLorean. She's a dame, and she hangs out with this cool dude named Sir Spencer, and they do this show called Bowl After Bowl, Tuesdays, 10 p.m. or 9 p.m., depending on Sir Spencer's schedule, on uh, No Agenda Stream. Check them out. Yeah, I agree with that. But this is, but uh, she's not a time machine. She's, she's, a, she is a, um, no, but they're both a couple of clip machines. Holy shit. Yes, that, that, I'll go with that. Now, accepting reality isn't giving up. It isn't passive. It was, an, it's an act of courage to say, hey, I accept that I portrayed myself. And so I'll, I'll read the quote from the, from the author here. I accept that I portrayed myself and chose to commit a crime. I hit the enter button, the single keystroke that started it all. I, I accept I made the choice to continue in the face of the universe screaming at me to stop. I accept that in prison, uh, except that I'm in prison. I accept that I hurt the woman I love, my family, my friends. Now, and you know, by admitting the, by admitting that, and I can I, I can say from my own experience when I when I have started to accept the reality, the, the certain the reality of a certain situation, it's like yeah, it feels like the weight of the world has come off your shoulders, right? Uh, you weren't you're not trapped in the past. You felt something that thought was impossible, and, and you know, to find is uh, is freedom, and, and there it there it is, right? So by coming to terms with what, what actually happened. Right. I think that, yeah, that's, that's an important thing because again, part of the, you know, <clears throat> you know, part of the disease that is narcissism is not accepting reality. It's kind of, it's the opposite of, uh, of reality. In fact, they're trying to change reality to and also affect your reality. That's right. So, um, but the, and the other thing that, that, uh, you know, for the, you know, another step to take is what we call self-trust. Now, um, and I'll, and I'll, and I will, read from, from what the, what the author is provided here. One day scrolling through Twitter, my friend posted surest path to self-confidence. I know making and keeping, keeping commitments to ourselves. Um, because yeah, because if you can't be honest with yourself and, 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 and do what you're going to, what you're telling yourself, how can you, how can you do, how can you keep, maintain that trust with other people? Right. So, um, so when you, when you make and keep commitments, you change your inner narrative to one that's empowering. You change your story by being a person who takes action. You build trust because you can your word to yourself, which I think is really important. When we trust ourselves, we have confidence in ourselves. When we have confidence in ourselves, we believe in ourselves and we trust ourselves. So it's, so it's kind of a self-perpetuating cycle there, right? So you have to make a, so, and I think that's, you know, part of what kept me going through this, um, you know, I'd say, you know, again, as a leading up to the insurrection is I, I made a commitment that I was going to do this thing called in a run and, and, and run a certain number of miles over the course of a year and try to run every day as much, you know, and so that's a commitment I kept to myself and it was, it allowed me, and I think it allowed me to get through this, you know, the, the, the period of that period of my life. Uh, it was a, you know, that is that kind of thing. That's, that's what, she, that's what she said. That's right. So, um, 
Now we've also got uh, forgiveness, and I think this is this is really important. And this is in, 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 you know for myself, you know when you know, when you take those first two steps, it's forgiving. It's actually forgiving ourselves is one of the biggest acts in love and compassion we can do for ourselves. And if we if we can't show ourselves love and compassion, how can you show? How effective do you think the love and compassion you'll show to somebody else is? Yeah, it's much like saying if you can't love yourself, how can you love someone else? Right. When we forgive ourselves, we demonstrate that we are worthy of love and compassion. And I think this is a, uh, you know, important and forgiveness cultivates self-trust and it liberates you from a past that can't be changed. Right? We can't, I can't change what happened, but I can forgive myself for the choices, for the, for the wrong choices. I thought, I think I made in the current knowing what I know now. And I often say this, this, this phrase that, you know, yeah, you can't, you can't change the past. Um, you have to be able to, you, you, I forget exactly. I forget, yeah, you, you, you made the, de- you made the best decision you could with the information you had at the time. Right. And uh, with what you knew at the time. So yeah, you know, the fact that you know more now, okay, you would have made a different decision, but you can't change it. So let's and move we on. also talk about, you know, people who say, Oh, I, you know, if I had only done this, I wish I had done that. It circles back to the butterfly effect. If you did do X or you did do Y, the outcome and what your future would actually be would be markedly different from where you are. And that could have negative effects. Yes, it could have positive effects in your thought immediately. But down the line, there's a ripple effect in that. And what you think is a good thing now may turn out not to be a good thing later if you had done this or if you had done that. Exactly. So how about, um, but basically at the end of the day, if we own our own story, we own our life. When our story owns us, it owns our life. Right. And so, yeah, and this is, you know, we, we yeah, we, we get to take control of the narrative, right? And that's, that's the important. That's why thing. we talk a lot about being present. Yeah, that's right. So, and meanwhile, let's talk about way, one of the ways you can, um, you know, I don't know. One of the ways you can be present. And drift away. Anyway, um, time flows in a continuous stream, yet our memories are divided into separate episodes, all of which become part of our personal narrative. Now, how emotions shape this memory formation process is a mystery that science has only recently begun to unravel. Now, the latest clues from UCLA psychologists who have discovered that fluctuating emotions elicited by music help form separate and durable memories. And I can tell you, like, I can, there's certain songs, you know, I, I when I hear that song, I remember when I heard that song. Oh, for example, okay, we were playing, um, so the, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves during our uh, d- d- during our pre-Thanksgiving smoke session. Uh, actually, actually, it was Phoenix Jr. that requested the uh, the the playing of the album uh, "Frantum Comes Alive." Right? Yeah, I was so proud. Yes, I, this, so we, yeah, we've we've influenced your children in, in a positive ways by giving them uh, by giving them music. But I'd like to think we're continuing to do so. Exactly. Well, so but but I'm but I and we're and I and I sat there and I went, yeah, you know, I can still see myself. On my on the front lawn of my mom's my mom's cabin in Boulder in Boulder Creek where we lived, uh, listening to Frampton Comes Alive as a kid, you know I can still see myself doing that, right? And who knows when that fucking was exactly, but that song triggers that memory, right? And and you know it's, it, it kind of vice versa, right? So there's a huge, you know, I've, I I my whole life I can remember certain song, you know, like I mean I I remember you know certain songs being traumatic when I you know and then and again songs I was listening to, right? For example, Have a Cigar as an association with when my mom dropped me off at my dad's one day and I didn't want to be at dad's. 
but I didn't really have a choice. Oh, damn. Yeah. So, you know, that, it goes both ways. Now, changes in emotions. Uh, so actually, wait a minute. Let me, the, the study is published in Nature Communications and it used music to manipulate the emotions of volunteers performing simple tasks on a computer. Now, the researchers found that the dynamics of people's emotions molded otherwise neutral experiences into memorable events. But I think it, I think it also helps you, you know, remember, remember memorable events too. So it definitely does. That's why they play music on Alzheimer's wards to try to help the cognition of patients. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, I mean, you know, and I'm thinking, and I'm sure that, you know, I remember one of the, one of the times I, you know, the, the time I saw my dad right before he passed and he was, he was gone because of brain cancer. Uh, you know, I know, I know he was, I know in his mind he was playing music. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thought yeah. to have. And it's interesting because Servo is saying he used to study certain subjects with certain genres and artists. And it's interesting because I can remember when I had a book report due over Christmas and I had received Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell 2 on CD. And I just happened to have a st stereo that had a CD player in it. Um, and... I was reading this book, listening to that, and then having to do, you know, questions along the way and whatnot. It helped so much. And I mean, I can still, when when I hear that particular album, if you will, um, I, I can still see sitting on my bed and the way my room looked and just everything that went along with that particular activity. Yeah, and I mean, heck, is it? And so I, I was in a, I was in a boarding school, high school, right? And, and so, and the, and I would, and I would, even though I lived, I mean, I lived an hour from the school, but it, honestly, it was better to be at the board and being being up at school than it was to be at home. So, but I remember many nights that, I, in fact, yeah, I can, yeah, we weren't smoking anything, but we were, you know, we were li we were listening, we were listening to like Bob Marley or something, you know. It was just I can, and I can remember, you know, all the people that were in the room and everything, and it was a. Um, it's kind of an, it's, it, yeah, it's like I said, there's just, I've got so many memories like that, that I can tie to a song that I was listening to. Or, or, or. It's like every time we listen to Hotel California, yep. I go back to that place in my mind. The first night I stayed up all night, the first night, just, I mean, there's, oh my God, there were so many firsts that night that listening to that particular musical piece brings back. Exactly. So, um. So, yeah, we, so now as time unfolds, people need to group information since there's too much to remember and not all of it is useful. So yeah, much, yeah. Although, although we've somehow made a show out of, out of it by pulling random shit out of our brains and, and making clips and shit. So, right? you know, so, so two processes appear to be involved in turning experiences into memories over time. The first integrates our memories, compressing and linking them into individualized episodes. The other expands and separates each memory as the experience recedes into the past. Now there's a constant tug of war between integrating memories and separating them. And it's this push and pull that helps to perform to form distinct memories and this flexible process helps a person understand and find meaning in their experiences as well as retain information now a similar effect may help explain why taylor swift's eras tour has been so effective at creating vivid and lasting memories her concert contains meaningful chapters that can be opened and closed to relive highly emotional experiences now i'm wondering if that was a a, a native ad for taylor swift there i mean I, you know, i'm just curious you know, asking for a friend I'm, and all I'm, that i'm sorry I'll tell you exactly where my brain went when I heard that MK Ultra. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. um, trust me, when you tune into Coffee and Chronic Monday morning, 7 a.m. Central, 
we're going to be talking about harmonics and it's going to make total sense to y'all why I say that it would not surprise me if she is part of this because of all the young impressionable minds who are completely addicted and willing to beg, scream, and do whatever necessary for their parents to buy them tickets that are extremely expensive to her. So this just, again, truth wants to come out. They're not even hiding it anymore. Well, there you go. Exactly. No. Participants also had worse memory for the order of items that spanned emotional changes compared to items they had viewed while in a more stable emotional state. This, this, these effects suggest that a change in emotion resulting from listening to music was pushing new memories apart. Now, this tells us that intense moments of emotional change and suspense, like the musical phrases in Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, God, we need to fucking play that in the in the in, the, in Studio Thirty Three, right, um, could be remembered as having lasted longer than the less emotive experiences of similar length. Now, researchers said. Now, musicians. And composers who weave emotional events together to tell a story may be imbibing our memories with a rich temporal structure and longer sense of time. Now, the direction of the change in emotion also mattered. Now, memory integration was best, that is, memories of sequential items felt closer together in time, and participants were better at recalling their order when the shift was toward more positive emotions. On the other hand, a shift toward more negative emotions, from calmer to sadder, for example, tended to separate and expand the mental distance between new memories. Uh, participants were also surveyed in the following day to assessed their longer-term memory and showed better memory for items and moments when their emotions changed, especially if they were experiencing intense positive emotions. This suggests that feeling more positive and energized confused different elements of an experience together in memory. Now, these findings could help people reintegrate the memories that have caused post-traumatic stress disorder. It could also, a lot of, I mean, heck, a lot of things. I mean, you know, there's a reason we're big on music here as part of our... Uh, uh, you know, part of what we do. Uh, 100% agree with that. And, you know, speaking of music. Yeah, Mason, speaking of music, we actually have a cavalcade of stupidity from uh, from our friend Sir Ref Cybertracker. So let's yes, load this stuff up and uh, let's let it play here when it actually loads. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah! Heidi ho, pedal heads, and welcome to the Rev Cybertrucker's Cavalcade of Stupidity. We've all heard that age-old argument. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And the answer to that is yes. Hell fucking yes. And in order to drive that point home, Insane Ian teamed up with nostalgia fan extraordinaire Bone Cage to pay tribute to Die Hard as a classic Christmas movie with a classic Christmas song. Released on Christmas Day in 2016, this is Insane Ian. Featuring Bone Cage, Die Hard Christmas. Come, they told me to knock a Tony To spend my Christmas at her office party A giant bear I'd bring to both of my kids Switch to her maiden name is what Holly did Celebrated the company's bid. Hans Gruber, can it be he is here for robbery? Hostages are taken.
We'll play the full version of that in the cavalcade. Because you know we're going to be watching that movie come Christmas yeah, in we will be. our house. There yeah. is no doubt. Because, like you said, there are two types of people. Those who know Die Hard is a Christmas movie and those who are wrong. That's right. So, all right. Now, now if I'm not wrong, it is a toast and jam segment. So It is. And we're still trying to find a opening for that. So anyone out there who does some musical stuff, if you can find something that you think would be fitting for our toast and jam segment, please feel free to submit it. And we do pay for quality. So uh, get them in. That's right. So meanwhile, um, so you have anything from Rideshare this week? I, because it was a short week, I really didn't have a whole lot going on with rideshare to be honest yes well yes because we'll, we'll get into that but uh first thing i think we're gonna talk about is the fact that you're making your own clips now and as we talked we, we were we were kind of joking about this earlier in the show and so yeah this is this so um so some of the clips that we were because we because we, we set up that we set up this the script with the clips and everything and we know what we're gonna doing and there was a couple of them i hadn't heard before and i wanted to hear so uh we played them and that's why we had the argument so now okay what there's there's yeah we usually collaborate on what clips are going to follow what articles yes it's like so if I can't think of something or if you've thought of something like oh this clip would be perfect but you know yeah so anyway so now what I typically do if I want to so a lot of the clips that come from the show um, or the, for the show that I've, I've I've generally pulled them from YouTube well how do you do that well there's this beautiful utility called yt-dlp now what it does it's it's a command line utility that actually runs in Python it is a uh, but it, 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 and they and they update it on a fairly regular basis but basically it'll pull anything off of YouTube and pretty much any and a lot of other there's several other types of sites it supports but the the important thing is it allows you to then that you, you can you can download it but you can also do do other things like uh run it uh you can run it uh and actually like pull out just the audio from it right which is which is exactly what we do and now uh now the way I've been doing this is I've got you know I've got various uh, machines and I'm, I'm a dude named Ben I can type all this stuff out on the command line so I've been kind of doing this in the process, you know, doing this, uh, you know, extracting the audio, bringing it into Audacity or even or something like that. And it's like, OK, well, I know how to do all of that. Phoenix does not. Phoenix is at that. The Phoenix is still not at that point. So I was thinking about this. I was going, OK, is there a way that I can bring this uh, bring this to Phoenix on the iPad? Right. And, and actually have it be able, so that something that it's a push button thing. should It does. It just, you know, basically it just works and and, 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 and all of that. So we did it. So now the, 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 the there's an audio editor that I use on the uh, on the iPad when I because sometimes I make clips on the iPad too uh, I also do it on Audacity on, on you know on Linux or Mac or whatever and uh, so that you could do it either way it's so I found it's it's an audio editor I bought a long time ago called Twisted Wave and it, it runs on an iPhone and iPad and so so it's nice
device. And then, but what I found out is there's a way to effectively um, run YTube DLP on your iPad directly, right? So now she doesn't have to log in somewhere and do this stuff. It, 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 it ultimately just runs, it, actually, it runs in an environment called Pythonista, which is actually an integrated development environment for Python uh, that runs natively on the iPad. And so through some, uh, through some scripting and uh, there, Apple has this thing called shortcuts, which I'm quite familiar with. I've actually built a number of shortcuts uh, myself with a lot, a lot more complicated ones for stuff that's n probably not relevant to most of you. But it is. But I've been able to put things together and 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 use. And so I'm familiar with 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 the concept of shortcuts. But basically, what it does is it gives. So I can sh I can use the share sheet in in iOS when when she's looking at a YouTube video in, in Safari, right? We can or or you know we we can we basically share that the URL to that video into this. Uh, into this uh, into this Pythonista environment, you run the script on the output, and it basically and it basically takes you know, so it, it it automates the extraction of the uh, of the data from the file, and then it shares the results of that so that it can be brought imported into Twisted Wave, and then once once it goes into Twisted Wave on the iPad, Phoenix can do whatever she needs to and save it to our shared clip folder, which is a shared um, um, shared folder that we've got set up with iCloud. So uh, and then and so therefore, when the minute she does clips, they show up. You know, we we ba they're basically synchronized so that she can pull the clips I make because I will sometimes do clips too. And so we can, and, and then she can load those clips on her soundboard app on her iPad and I can do the same on mine. So, and uh, phone boy has been really good <clears throat> at kind of teaching me how to read the waveform so I can pretty much figure out with listening to it at least one time through watching the waveform where I'm going to have to aim for to start my clip and then where to end it. It's an extremely easy um, UI to deal with, which is good for a former Luddite like myself. Yeah. So, but I mean, and but I'm, I'm having a lot of fun doing it because I feel like it allows me to contribute more to our show when I don't have to always be throwing uh, links at you like time code this to this da da da. I can just literally go in, import it myself, fuck around with the wave thing, and I even for um actually for the for the um clip we vetoed for mm -hmm. the um yeah dishonorable mention right. um story. No, we haven't gotten to the dishonorable mention. Shit. No, You're I know that. What I'm saying. Listen yeah. to what I'm saying okay. to you. Okay. The story that we replaced a clip I had pulled mm -hmm. the Robin Williams clip right. for the one that you decided on. Right. That particular clip, when I did that, in order to get that clip perfect, <clears throat> I actually had to pull, I had to stretch that waveform so I could find the exact precise place, which was something I had seen you do, I think, all of one time. It was definitely, that was the clip I was the most proud of. And I might just load it onto the soundboard so that I can play it for yeah, you, you the should. folks. Yeah, I think it, yeah, so. I'm so proud of that clip in how I was able to find a way to pull it apart essentially yeah she's yeah i mean i kind of turned her loose on the tool i said here you know and i mean i showed her how i do what i do and you know Susan, uh, she get, i get a couple of questions I, and I actually twisted there's a couple of things twisted wave i wish it did it, that it doesn't do as well so i kind of just leave it um you know, I, so I, this is the clip that i'm so proud of that i pulled chief what's cocaine cocaine is our little gift to the white man for what you did to us and i think there was now, also some pauses you... in there too yes not only did i cut that clip to where I took 
time out. Right. So it wasn't so long drawn out to literally get the exact moment where he starts the word chief. I had to stretch that fucking waveform. Yes. And find the precise bar to put the yellow indicator at. I'm so proud of that clip. I don't give a damn. I had to play. It. Yeah, that was a, that's a good. I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> so she's so like I said, and then, you know, so we again, we're this is this is one of the, is, you know, yes, we're part of the Apple cult, but we're leveraging the Apple cult to its full. Although I, although it's kind of funny, I guess we're still using Google Docs as our as our doc sharing thing. I kind of we well, might. we're equal opportunity tech abusers. That's right. So so anyway, the, this is helping. I mean, again, it's and it's also because she's now doing coffee and chronic on, on Mondays at 7 a.m. Central time. Uh, that's right. We, uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, honey, that, that's, you know, if you want to do clips, it, it's probably, you know, that's better to enable her to do stuff on her own. Right. And, 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 and that's it's like, also affording me the ability to take the necessary clips from the documentary that we are doing part three, hopefully the final part yeah. on for coffee and chronic all that right. I was alluding to earlier about the harmonics. This is an episode, folks, that you need to hear this entire story of this amazing woman and what she went through and the nefarious shit that our own government is perpetrating and covering up. It will make you mad. It will make you want to rage, ultimately. Okay, so... All right. Now, meanwhile, wait, well, let's talk about let's talk about. So, th yeah, this week was basically Thanksgiving week, right? For, oh, for the, for, it was such a drudge. Yes, it was. However, uh, so there, yeah, there's there's you know a lot of there's things going on, especially since we now have two extra occupants in the in the household. There, uh, um, so and then we and then uh, and, and and there, needless there there's a lot of reasons for this to po to have possibly gone a little bit uh, sideways. It actually went very overall. The it whole, really could have gone so bad yeah there's but but we did have but 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 you're gonna have to tell me why i highlighted the priest thanksgiving smoke session so we were so we just for for context we're so we so we we're at the kitchen table this was this was um this was like wednesday night right so we had uh, it was yeah so we had uh phoenix jr we had uh we we had uh, your oldest and in, in in his other half um yep. and uh yeah mom had already gone to bed yeah and, and, it, and, and it was you and, and it was you and i right and we we're uh -huh. playing we we're playing cards, cards against, against humanity okay why did i pull this out though what was because they, you we were well, I, I have no idea why you pulled it out yes i don't know but it I, I feel like it was because of the music thing that yes. you alluded to that, earlier that, that's that's right and i think that's probably why i pulled it out of there is, is that because i'd already the frampton the, comes alive yeah the frampton that, uh phoenix jr had requested be played and of course i mean it's a fantastic album like any chance we get to spin it on the turntable we are all yeah. about so i was just really proud that he decided he wanted to listen to that we were we were grooving hard we were uh, although, I, although I actually although i tell you what i am going to do though so i'm going to share that because i did actually remember i took a picture of a that's car that's right there there was so, a, a yeah so i need to so I'm, gonna, answer that so I'm going to, to i'm going to posted. upload this into the into the chat here in just a second and you also should put it in the show well doc. that's yes that's that's actually by doing by doing that it actually that is exactly why i'm doing that because that will allow me to put it in the show notes so, so it's kind we'll of look one. at that yeah because so we can uh, we can talk about um, the next thing on our list here, which is Thanksgiving itself and the meal that was prepared, which, in my personal opinion, was absolutely out of this world. We we got shit for sleep. Let's let's just admit after we got done having this epic smoke sesh Wednesday night, 
We went to bed probably about 2 a.m., roughly, Thursday morning. Had to be up at 5.30 because we had to start the smoker to have the turkey in the chamber for 6. And it took about eight and a half hours, respectively, to smoke this turkey. But, oh, my God. This was, hands down, the most delicious turkey I have ever had. We brined it. I did a brine in bag. So I literally have some expandable heat seal bags for my sealer machine. And I put the turkey in the bag. I had made the brine the night before, poured it in the bag, and then just sealed it and left it standing in a bowl for eight hours, flipped it over for another eight hours. And Bob's your uncle. She got dried off, dusted with some poultry seasoning, and put in a smoker with hickory and pecan wood for about eight and a half hours with the aromatics inside. Unbelievable. We're having leftovers tonight from this delicious turkey. Now, there was also a pumpkin pie made with a pecan almond crust, no flour involved, and... We made squash and pumpkin with that crust. Both fillings used honey. Amazing. Delicious. Instead of evaporated milk, we used heavy cream. Real, not canned pumpkin and squash. Um, You know, it, it was just everything that I could do to make it the most delicious meal. The mashed cauliflower, which was out of bounds. The squash with the heavy cream, butter, salt, and pepper. Um... Wookie made green bean casserole, which is hot, fresh garbage, but we did enjoy a little bit of it because you kind of do. And there was definitely wine. I drank a lot of wine, not going to lie. There may have been some moonshine pineapple chunks that were consumed over the holiday, but who's judging? Yeah, exactly. Well, we, yeah, and and uh, something else that occurred. Uh, this, this, I don't because we, during Thanksgiving, of course, we were smoking this, and um, yeah, we were. Um, we dur- had to order the wood in order to get the smoke done because Walmart didn't have the box of hickory logs that we buy, and Lowe's the amount of money for the amount of wood you're getting. Not worth it. So I went online, was able to find boxes for roughly what Walmart was charging from another website, ordered four of them, plus a box of the pecan chunks. And I have to give it up to the FedEx guy who delivered, because it was FedEx, not UPS. I have to give it up to the FedEx guy who delivered this wood. This gentleman was nice enough to carry two of these boxes into our home and put them down where we needed them instead of us having to haul them from the front door into the house. So thank you for doing your job, sir, going above and beyond. It often doesn't happen. This time it did. But uh, one thing that kind of sucked, though, that I wasn't aware of till we started splitting the logs down so that they would burn easier was that the wood was wet. So we literally had to take a piece of wood that we wanted to burn, put it inside the, the firebox, not on top of the active flame so it would dry out enough to burn because trying to get that flame to keep on we we had to restart the fire several times which is why we were running the box a little hotter than we usually would 
because we had to try to compensate for the temperature dip occasionally due to the wood issue. That's why we started putting the smaller pieces in because they burned easier. They dried faster. It was just a lot less hassle. But I was I was not happy at the fact that this wood ended up being wet upon its arrival. I, I think that's a massive party foul. But for what it is, I don't care. It's going to have time to dry out in the house. Uh, I believe we do have plans to smoke the standing rib roast for Christmas. So since Thanksgiving actually did go quite well, everyone was happily fed. We watched football all day and our boys won. So yes, it will, and we will, it will, we will get, we, and then, and, and uh, we will get to, we will get to see them win again against that same team in two weeks when, when we're in, uh, when we're in uh, uh, the Bay Area. So. Yes, and I absolutely cannot wait to watch them take the Seacocks apart again because that was such a phenomenal game. I mean, I, I'm i not going to say it was a blowout, but we definitely whooped some ass. Bang, bang, Niner guy. Bang, bang, Niner guy. Who are we? Oh, that's right. That's we'll, right. We'll leave 40. Maybe we'll, I think we'll, well, we played that for Right Your Radio yesterday. But, yes, we did. Yeah. But you know what? I, I still have no shame playing that after that win. It was well-deserved. And it's just going to be interesting to see whether my Christian McCaffrey jersey or my Nikki Bosa jersey shows up for uh, the fact you're wearing Fred Gore. Or Fra- Frank, Frank Gore, Gore yes. sorry. Uh, which means that I need to wear some D-line, I believe. Yes. Contrast. Well, well, exactly. Well, or yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So Frank Gore was a was a uh, was a uh, was was a running back that had was very durable and did very well for the 49ers for for a decade. Uh, played through, but uh, fortunately, we were not able to give Frank Gore a Super Bowl. I'm I'm sad about that. He was, however, he he's played for some good and bad Niner teams, but he's right. one of my favorite players. Um, Which I also is have why a, I encourage you to wear his jersey. Yeah, yeah I have a Jerry Rice jersey. However, it's a little bit too small at the moment, and and the other one I've got is a is a is a Fred Warner jersey. But uh, I, I wear that every t- all the time. So I was, I I felt I felt like Warren. I felt if I'm going to Levi's, I should wear Frank Gore. But that's just I me. totally agree with you. I absolutely agree. And I actually I have um you know what I was gonna I was gonna wait till this came in, but I'm gonna share a surprise with you that I got. <sighs> so I need to quickly find this thing. So if you want to. Vamp for a moment. Yes, exactly. I, uh, yeah, I gotta, I've also got to put a time code in the in the uh, place in the script for this, since this is yes. seems to be we're talking of this. Yes, I, yeah. So, yeah, we're, she's trying to order her uh, some some um, some gear uh, to have showed up before we leave in in, in a, um, on this trip, and so she doesn't have any at the she didn't have any Niner gear at the moment. So you know, she nope. was nice enough to get me some. I, I think I, I ordered my Fred Warner jersey, but that that was a but yeah, I got a couple of hats and stuff, and and you know the hoodies and bang bang Niner gang. I don't. She's trying That's to get. Right. She's actually trying to get this up. I don't know what she's doing. She's probably trying to find it. Um, I, don't I am truly finding it. If yeah. my fucking typo fingers would do what they're supposed to do. <laughs> typo fingers. Yeah, we're writing that down. Yeah, go ahead. And write typo fingers down. Yeah, because. But I want to. I want to present to you what you have coming in for you. Okay. I, I, for the game. There you go. Nice. Tell the folks yeah. what Phoenix it, well, it's, did. So it's a it's a it's a it's a fan it's a fan chain necklace. It says "Faithful to the Bay" on it. 
There's also something else that uh, we're going to be sharing. Oh, I see. I see. So I need to find it as well. You need to find it as well. So yes, we're yes. I think we're. I think she's trying to get trying to see that we'll get uh, noticed on on the television. Uh, Oh, we will most definitely get noticed because we're going to have. We're going to make signs, too. Oh, oh dear. I, I'm, I'm frightened of this. Um, we'll, I, have, I have a feeling we're going to have to end up, we're going to be ending up at Target buying the school supplies to do all of this. Oh, maybe. Yeah, or something along those lines. I, I think you'll be happy with this, though. This will be on your feet, sir. Oh, nice. I like those. Yes. Got to have, so have nighter socks, too. So Just wait. If all my stuff comes in, you're, you're going to be impressed. Oh. I'm going to be ducked yeah. TFO yeah. on this. I cannot wait yeah. for this game. I am beyond so yeah. excited. So, all right. We, we, this is actually... So, um, if you recall some weeks ago, we talked about the fact that um, we have we have occasional uh, brownouts and stuff like that um, uh, that happen here. And it turns out that, um, yeah, so we, we bought a couple of UPSs, uh, one for the third floor and one for the second floor, so that uh, most of the stuff stays up. We've actually had a failure during a show once, and that creates a problem. And meanwhile, I have, a, according to uh, according to my instance of butt that's running, I have uh, I have been rem- I have remained connected to our stream server for uh, a, a good two weeks solid without any uh, interruptions, which is pretty amazing. Uh, and we've had some power outages here, in fact, because uh, that's exactly uh, because, yes, because uh, I, I have woken up to the UPS just beeping once when, when the power switch is over. And there's other there's other sort of telltale signs of that. In fact, actually, the some of the issues with the iPad are also related to that. There's also uh, an issue that it also causes my speakers, that my Mackie speakers here in the studio to, uh, uh, to need a power cycle afterwards. So uh, the UPSs are actually doing their job and keeping things up and running around here so uh without uh any uh, without any real incidents so it was a worthwhile investment so if you have issues with the power going in and out and you're doing things um you know that might be a little sensitive to to uh temporary interruptions uh yeah go get a ups it's it's worth your uh, <clears throat> it's worth a the hundred bucks or so for you know for for a decent one. And actually, I think you can get them for less. You can certainly get them for far less than that. But uh, <coughs> it's worth doing for your uh, for like your 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 home router and your internet uh, connection for sure, right? And that's a uh, that's an important thing. Now, um, we also have to talk about last night. About last night. Yes, we do. Um, so we we so. We were so we were both home yesterday because uh, we, we had a lot of so I, I was I'm off work um, anyway and anyway the day after Thanksgiving but we had a lot of stuff around here that needed to be done cleanup wise and so um, we we were both we, we did we did we started doing rideshare radio and then we actually we had determined and then uh, and then uh, we got we got word from uh, Bimlet that uh, his mother the yeah, the, the matriarch of the Bemrose clan was a uh, was actually uh, there and so clean feed links ensued. And um, yeah, a great goddamn time was held by all, right? No, so she was only on for I don't know, like not not very long, like a half an no, hour. No, maybe a half. half hour. Yeah, maybe a half hour tops, right? A um, little bit more than that. We did get it. We did get a recording of it, and we also got a clip of the, which we'll play at the end of the show that uh, that I think was a fucking amazing thing. So we uh, we had a great conversation with her, and then we spent uh, and then we spent two hours talking to White Mike. Um, 
It was unreal. It yeah. was hilarious. Yeah. So, so you never know what happens during Studio Thirty Three um, or, or Rideshare Radio. A Bemrose might show up, or somebody else might want to get on the mic. We've got some, you know, some of the clips that we're playing actually came from some of these studios, from some of these, uh, you know, the the the, the sort of the, the the impromptu, you know, Studio Thirty Three uh, discussion or whatever that we have. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so you never know what happens. That's why you should join us on, uh, you know, after after the Lotus Effect on Saturday nights. Uh, uh, you know, starting about seven central, we're, we're it's usually about the time we we, we kick off Studio Thirty Three and we, we we go until we're done. Um, and um, that's so we got we usually have music playing. We have music playing, and if somebody wants to get on, we want to, we want to have a conversation. Well, we do that too. So it's a little little of everything. Uh, they had a great goddamn time. Yes, we did. That's right. We always have a great goddamn time. That's why you should join us for Studio Thirty Three directly after the show content and Rideshare Radio Fridays at eight p.m. Central. It is a great goddamn time. All right. So now we are to the point where we would play voicemails. However, we do not have a single voicemail this week. I am I am shocked and and offended that no one loves us enough to tell us what their favorite sports team is. Two five three two three seven three three two one. We've opened the phone lines. Tell us live who's your favorite sports team. And we'll even take doesn't matter what sport. Hockey, basketball, football, soccer. Give it to rugby, us. whatever you know, whatever it is, whatever it is you're into, right? So, uh, curling, or, or it could be your sports team is clearly <laughs> inferior. All right, anyway, so that's what we were singing to the Seacocks on Thanksgiving. That's right. Meanwhile, um, I think it's, I think it. So we're gonna we'll leave this. Uh, we'll say we'll, we'll leave the phone lines open if you want to call two five three two three seven three three two one and tell us what your favorite sports team is. But uh, I think it's time to get high. I'll take a drink, and I my name's Smoke Little Reef. You know, I I like to smoke. Reefer, you know, it relaxes me and everything. A couple of doobies, you know, just to get you through the day and everything. But I do not free base cocaine. When I wake up every morning as I'm getting up, I, I hit it up. Now I'm fitted up. Now, uh, apparently, uh, apparently, Tyler. Oh, here we go. I think we're going to take the call. Here we go. Hello, caller. You are on the air with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Okay. Favorite sports teams. Uh, baseball, Milwaukee Brewers. Basketball, Golden Warriors. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Golden State, yep. Ho- we got somebody hockey, else calling in, but that's National okay. Basketball Predators. And football. We have... Of course, we have our Orange Boys yes, for the no NCAA, yeah. and then for the pro folks, we have Green Bay Packers, and when they don't just abysmally suck, I'll give the Titans a nod. Well, fair enough. Um, fair yeah, it's completely fair. Yeah, so, um, yeah, but it's. Uh, I think. It, yeah, it, of course. Yeah, this, it, I don't know. The, the pack did it. Yeah, you know, the pack beat the Lions on Thanksgiving. That was a. That was a. The fucking Lions have got a team this year. I can't even believe they're like eight and three. I believe. Yes. Yeah, we we beat the Lions, but it wasn't pretty. We beat them, but no. But a win is still a win. I know, but I, I I am totally with you on that. But I mean, there's a win, and then there's a win. This but, is you true. Know. 
Yeah, exactly. We'll take what we can get. Yeah, exactly. We got, and we're getting all, you know, of course, we're getting calls while we're still on the phone. Yeah, guys, if you're calling in live while we're on, we have to, we'll have to wait until the, uh, the next, uh, we'll have to wait until we're done with the current caller. But, uh, um, but yeah, we're, but uh, yeah, this, this is, a, it, it, yeah, it's, it has been a, it has been an experience of living in the South, realizing there's a whole lot more teams to be uh, concerned with if I'm, if I'm, if I'm honest, but. Um, so, so there we go. All right. Um, so, so mama, thanks for calling in. Um, we will give somebody else a chance to weigh in on this topic, I guess. That's right. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Thank you. Love you. Bye. 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 All right. Bye. Bye. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Hello, caller. You're on the air with Phoenix and phone boy. Oh, that number. Oh, we got another. Oh, that one. Hello. Is somebody else. Hey, what's up y'all? Oh, oh, hello. What's up? <laughs> it's Rev. Hey, Rev. What's up? Hey, it's the Rev, man. Yeah. So every, I know this is this is what we got. So so which so which team are you rooting for, Rev? I mean, I kind of know, but tell the tell the listeners. Well, it, I've got four. I got four teams that I actually pay attention to, and one is professional football, and that's the Niners. Bang bang Niner bang, bang, gang. Bang bang Niner gang. Yeah, bang bang Niner gang, buddy. And then uh, college football, it's the Mountaineers. Uh, I'm sorry, but I got to go with my oldest daughter's alma mater. Oh, respect on that one. That's all good. Yep. And then hockey, it's the Sharks, man. My San Jose Sharks. Oh yeah, I've, I've, yeah. Have you ever you ever been to a game out there? Yes, I have. As a matter of fact, it's not really all that encouraging. <laughs> no, I. Uh, so when I when I was at, when I was still at Nokia, my uh, my boss at the time, we did a. Um, I, I was I was out there. We got to go to a box. It was kind of kind of cool, but uh, um, just by happenstance. So I, that's the only time I've ever been out there. I, I don't remember even who we played. And, but yeah, that's a. But that was a while ago, and and um, I've I've actually been out to other hockey uh, games as well. But uh, so which other ones you got? Uh, the only other team I pay attention to is for rugby, actually, and that's the New Zealand All Blacks. Oh, right on! Yeah, that's that's cool. We were it was I was I was attempting. You know, I, I know I was using rugby as an example uh, when I was talking with uh, Phoenix's uh, mom about uh, those different things going on. It's like, yeah, there's a lot going on in, a, in, in an NFL game, right? Yeah, and, and a lot of NFL teams are <laughs> actually drafting uh, the Vols, which is our college football follow. Um, is following suit with drafting Australian kickers. Find that very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Wisnowski is an Australian, and uh, UT's got an Australian on on their roster this year. So it, you know, I, I guess that rugby thing kind of pays off. Well, I've played both. I've I've played uh, uh, high school football and I've played rugby too. And I can tell you, rugby is the rougher sport. Oh yeah, I it is. That. Yeah, I, I, actually, actually, I got to actually got to play it in elementary school. I can see with because you don't have pads and it's it's almost rough. There, there are some differences in terms of the action, but not that much. And except you're doing it without pads, so th I think that's actually better because that leads to uh, that leads to probably a safer result. You know, when you realize it's your life, you know, it's your step on the line versus having something with plastic, you're going to be a little more careful and not hurt yourself. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, a friend of mine actually uh, described the difference between American football and rugby. He said, in American football, you get a flag for holding on to somebody. And in rugby, if they won't fucking let go of you, poke them in the eye. <laughs> That's amazing. We let, we... That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> yeah. So, 
That's awesome. Um, we, we're going to have to compare notes offline about some of the where you're where you're pulling stuff for the cavalcade because you know for for me I, I love it. Yeah, by the, I, way, I, by the stuff you're pulling, it's like I mean I've got stuff I got stuff deep in my memory banks, but sometimes I need a memory jog if you know what I mean to try and uh, remember yeah, but, some of these old songs. Well, the web the website that I'm grabbing them from, they actually wrote a song called One Thousand Fumps because they had one thousand songs on their website. Okay, perfect. All, all made specifically for that website, by the way. Oh, my. So, yes. I, you know, I like the fact of where you grab yours from, though, phone boy, because you don't want to steal Rev's Thunder if you pull something no, from I, that I, website. I pull, I, no, I pull something. For, I'm just looking for ideas to remember for myself, right? Because, oh, it, it. because it's because I'm only going to pull. So, I'm not going to pull something that I don't know. Right. It, that, that's the, the thing is, for me, it's got to be something I remember. Right. I'm not just pulling a random song. I'm pulling something that, that it has a, that has meaning to me, or at least I remember hearing. And fortunately, there's a lot of great stuff that I can do that. And although some of the stuff's hard to find, that's the, that's the challenge. Right. Some of these parodies that I remember, they never got posted the internet so they don't exist right no, it's either they didn't get posted onto the internet or dr demento never put them on a compilation or whatever it is yeah. there's a lot there's a lot of comedy music that's just disappeared because nobody paid attention to it yeah exactly well yeah you'd have to you'd have to have an old recording of, of, of old dr demento stuff to even have pulled it out in some of these cases and so yeah there's a lot exactly. of things like that yeah so well, my friend, uh, thank you for uh, thank you for calling in, and thank you for your, for for contributing to the cavalcade of stupidity every week. Uh, we, we appreciate you appreciate more it. than words. You're quite welcome. All right, thank you, you guys my friend. Have a good one. All Later. Right. Bye now. Be safe. Bye. Bye. All right. Okay. Let's see. If, let's see if somebody else calls in now. Oh, I'm pretty sure we'll at least get one or two more calls <laughs> to two five three two three seven three three two one to find out what. Y'all's favorite sports ball team is. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. Hello, Keller. You're on the air with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, Wook. How are you? Oh, you know, just living the dream here. You know, we're on the air, so uh, you know. So, uh, but what is what is what, what is what is your what is your sports teams? Uh? My NFL is New York Giants. Yes. Basketball is New York Knicks. Okay. Uh, college, college, bas- uh, Tennessee, all the way. Yeah, well, that, that, well women's softball, right. women's basketball, and uh, for hockey, it is New Jersey Devils. Well, fair enough. I think we all know where she's from, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Gee, can you guess? Hey there, Jersey girl. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, y'all? Well, we're just, you know, fucking off like we usually do. Um, so uh, why don't you tell the story of seeing your team play at MetLife and how decked out you were for the game? Oh, yeah. it's uh, Phoenix bought me tickets for the game. We went. We were all decked out. We had our faces painted in all full gear. And Tinsel it was just a fun time. On. We got to rub it in the Eagles fans that they lost. The the thing I remember most about that game was when we won. There was a guy. Uh, you remember a couple of rows? I think in front of us, he had a box of candy, and he was talking about how sweet the win was. He was giving out candy to everybody. Yes, that was. Yes, I remember that. That was so and, awesome. That whole day was just awesome. Yes. And they would, the Eagles fans were coming in, flapping like their wings and stuff like that. They didn't do that when they left the game. 
That's right. You know, but the Cheekles. Oh, I'm telling you, like, every time the Eagles or the Seacocks lose, an angel gets their wings. I'm just saying. It's like every time we (laughs) kick Nick Saban's ass or somebody kicks Nick Saban's ass, an angel gets its wings. That's all I'm saying. Yep. Yep. But guys having a good show so far? Well, if you were listening to my podcast, you'd know that. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I've been... I've been running around getting things done. Yeah, yeah. Excuses are like assholes. Everybody's got one. And they all stink. (laughs) Yep. So, well, we appreciate the fact that you called in and weighed in on what your favorite sports teams were. Well, thank you. I know my Giants sucked this year bad. So, hopefully, next year we can do something a little better. It can turn around on a dime. wait, Wait for next year. Yep, and always, there's always next year. Well, just think of it this way. No matter who gets in the big game, there's going to be a super big Super Bowl party here at Casa Lotus. So we're all going to have a great game time. That's right. Uh, hell yeah. All right, guys. I'll talk to you all soon. All right, we appreciate you. Bye. Bye. Uh, bye. Oh, there we go. Let's see if we have any more pedal heads to call 253-237-3321 and tell us about their favorite sports ball team. Yes, exactly. And I because I'm sitting here with yeah, we'll see, we'll give it a, give it another minute here so otherwise Well, we'll... why don't you tell everybody your favorite teams? Oh, oh, look at that. We have another caller. All right, we're going to do that. Oh, hello, caller. You're on the air with Phoenix and Phone Boy. What's up, everybody? What's up, weirdo? Oh, uh, we have, ever since I've been alive, my dad's side of the family always does their Thanksgiving on Saturday. So we uh, just got home from doing that, and uh, we're supposed to have, I don't know, snow tonight for some reason, and I just don't really want that. But I've been out here trying to, like, button up the chicken coop a little better since it's going to snow. I want it to not freeze them out. So Yeah, it's usually a good idea. They don't they they, t- they tend to not uh, lay too many eggs when the when the temps are like that though. You're not putting a yeah. heater in there, are you? No, they have a lamp. Well, they have one of those heat bulbs, but um other than that, they don't need anything else. They, well, the only reason I say that is chicken. because um I know you're not supposed to have any heating source in your coop because if it goes out um because they'll get not used to having to keep themselves warm with their down uh the down won't come in properly and they'll literally freeze to death that's why you're not supposed to heat your coop and i know it seems fucked up believe me every morning i had to go out and it was colder than a well digger's ass there's my chickens and they've got plenty of down feathers and i always feel like oh i want to keep them warm but i know that it could literally kill them because they don't, you know, it, it's nature. You don't fuck with mother nature. And that's, that's just basically like the, the idea that I go on with that. And I will tell you that uh, you were missed in the chat today uh, prior to studio 33 happening tonight. There was a particular uh, Caucasian Mike who was missing your quick wit so hopefully you'll be joining us in 33 tonight 
<laughs> yeah, I intend to. Um, no, my my chicken coop is not exactly um, airtight, sealed up. Um, so I venture to say it's it's not exactly warm in there as is. So I don't know. I may or may not need to get rid of the lamp. I don't know. I'll uh. Coop. Ow. The coop that we had was literally one of those uh, sheds, like where you would put your lawnmower and shit. It's got like barn doors that open up. Um, yeah, that's what we turned no, into a no, coop. No. I took a chainsaw and put two <laughs> windows out. Mine most definitely not. <laughs> hey, you know, you do, you do what you can. I, I I took a lot of shit from the ex that I turned his shed into a fucking chicken coop, but we got kind of caught with our pants down unexpectedly. And, you know, they they needed to be in a coop because they were, you know, flying out of the the containment unit, even with the uh, the makeshift lid we had made out of chicken wire and, and uh, two by fours. Um, yeah. yeah. So chainsaw cut two windows, put uh, hardware cloth up and called it fucking good. Had a roosting well, box in there. Is, um, I got some um, shingle pallets. Nice, sturdy pallets. Nice. Um, and uh, not all pallets are square, lots of different sizes, but your general pallet's not exactly square, and these ones are. So um, I basically made a cube out of pallets, and the like the whole front door even opens up so I can get the eggs and shit. Hell and yeah. then they've got a little doggy door that they go in and out of during the day. And but the pallet on the front is not real good. It's not. It's, it wasn't a good one. So I stuffed it with hay. So hopefully a bit of a windbreak there. So I actually stuffed all, all the walls hay with hay. Out. I set it up. I set it up to where the pallets are actually on their side, so I could run two by fours through it and have one of my kids in the front and me in the back and pick it up and move it around when I need to. And oh, I also nice. stuffed the ends of it with uh, stuffed the voids with straw so that um, they could be warm. That's actually quite. That's that's quite brilliant. It's too bad you couldn't get a hold of some uh, red clay uh, mud. You could I make actually, a nice mud pack with that straw, even more airtight. Cob. Yeah, fill it with cob. That might work. But then they're gonna. Yeah, I mean that might work. Um, I actually the only money I have into this coop besides the chickens themselves is I spent thirty bucks on a box of fasteners and. Uh, most of the hinges and stuff I had laying around from odd jobs I've done in the past, but I did buy some new hinges for the um, for the actual big door because it's a pretty heavy pallet. So I needed some heavy duty uh, hinges. Oh hell yeah, I I totally respect that. Um, the the first door because of course we had to have a door as well as the windows. Um, the door that we had was made out of just a random board that we took a hinge and attached and we had a a block of wood that we nailed up and you could turn it to open or you know lock closed the door and we had plastic fencing with T-posts that ran around the perimeter of the yard those little bitches got really adept at digging under that fucking fencing so we ended up having to put cinder blocks and cap blocks around. My, uh, my chicken run is actually what was supposed to be a dog pen that was built into the design of the chain link fence that's around the house. And um, when I was a kid, it was uh, my 
grandpa had this old bloodhound that um, stayed here, and that was her little spot. And so I put um, I put actual chicken wire around, um, oh, probably about three feet up. And then um, I have that real thin gauge cattle panel looking fencing that comes up taller than me and I'm six and a half. So, um, and well, six, five, let's not call it six and a half. Let's be honest. Um, and so as long as I keep their wings clipped, um, I don't have a hard time keeping them contained inside. And the only time they did get out, um, and go venturing in the neighbor's yard is because they were out of water. Um, they didn't have any water in their bowl. So as long as I keep them content, they have no desire to leave. So pretty neat. Yeah, that's Fucking one thing I never head. did was clip the wings, and it probably would not have hurt to do so. But, I mean, I had easily 24 chickens to try to keep an eye on and yeah, I have three seven, turkeys so. at the time. So we had yeah. to do some modifications. We had two yards. Um, we had the yard because we had initially when the turkey got bigger and I had all three of them, um, uh, Thanksgiving, which was the male, he was harassing the chickens, pecking them on the ass. They were starting to get, you know, naked butt. And I'm like, nope, we ain't having this shit. So I had built a partition, which was chicken wire and two by fours. Again, we fastened it uh, or fashioned it to the slope of the roof in the nine yards. So it separated turkey from chicken. Although those little bitches figured out how to go around the end of it where the doors were and squeeze their way onto his side of the yard. So I would have to be like, look, th this is on y'all bitches. He pecks your ass. That's on you. Of course, they could get back across their side and he couldn't get to them. So that was kind of the game they played. Whoa. But long story yeah. short, when we when we did the partition, it meant we had to get another yard, which is on the other side, built. So that one, we we put some fucking money into it. We sank four by four or um, fucking what are they? Those those big chunky square posts. They're pretty heavy duty. Yeah, post. Yeah, yeah. Um, we sank those with quickcrete into posts, the ground. Probably, yeah, that's good to use. And then we uh, we fastened that kind of cattle uh, cattle paneling you're talking about with the smaller gauge holes where they can't get out. Uh, right. Put that all the way around the perimeter and sunk that shit a good foot in the ground so that you're not digging up underneath it. And, you know, no, foxes and, 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 and my shit fire. won't neither. It's the same way. I ran like a skirt down into the dirt about, oh, about 10 inches and laid it down and kind of buried it a little bit so they can't dig under it. Right. Exactly. I, and, you know, it's it's really fucked up because, I mean, I've talked about the fact that my ex got rid of my chickens, didn't even fucking ask me, like, hey, do you have a place for them or do you have whatever, whatever, um, you know, he just, he took it upon himself. And the last time I unfortunately had to be over there, um, just seeing what degradation had occurred in that chicken coop area was just, fuck him, like... All the work I put into that, all the money I put into that, I just feel like there's there's a little bit of me that's salty. That was a fantastic yeah. thing. <laughs> and it's and it's all because he's a lazy cunt. 
Because at the end of the day, that could have been extra money for him. Those chickens didn't fucking cost that much money to feed. And it would give him an unlimited supply of eggs plus an ability to make extra money since he's always crying and bitching that he's fucking broke. Not like he has anything else to do. Um, you know, tending to chickens is just too fucking much apparently to feed and water and collect eggs and maybe throw some worms at him. Like, fuck him. Sorry, Phoenix had a rage. I have, uh, <laughs> somebody needs to ISO because he's a lazy fucking cunt or however you said it. Um, I have been recently, I bought a bag of wheat seed at the co-op. Uh, it cost me less than $11. And I have sprouted wheat grass in the house. And I'm going to start feeding that to these little bitches and see if they like it. Uh, that sounds cool. I've never thought about that. I know. Well, oh, okay. So I'll tell you. Oh, sorry. Um, I'll just tell you why I thought of it. I saw this shit on TikTok where they do this and they feed the chickens microgreens. So one 50 pound bag of feed, which cost me uh, right around 10 bucks. Um, like I said, the wheat's a little more, but the regular chicken feed is only 10 bucks. But you can sprout it into microgreens and turn that one fifty pound bag into, you know, two hundred, two hundred and fifty pounds of microgreens. That makes total sense. Yeah, dude. And it's also better than I, grain to feed them. Yeah, I and mean, then just straight grains because like when we cook broccoli and shit, like we eat a lot of fresh vegetables and we always we give them the scraps they can have. Um, you know, we've Right been a learning curve but you know pretty much no citrus uh we learned that the leaves uh, our tomatoes are actually a part of the nightshade family so the leaves of the tomato plant are toxic to pets and probably people too um the uh but they can't have green tomatoes but they can have red tomatoes and they'll fight over them they love them and, oh yeah when i um, when i had the container garden if i had a tomato that was no good i'd pitch it into the yard and they would fight over that shit yeah. hardcore they'll eat, they'll eat the whole plant for the cucumber um once those started i accidentally let a couple get get overripe on the vine and that triggers the plant to die for a lot of squashes so um you know because it's fulfilled its purpose so um i threw the whole vine in there and they fucking devoured it all my That's favorite thing wild. to do is to grab cicadas and throw them in there because one of them will grab it and it'll start, you know, chirping. And so they're all on it and they fight over it. And it's, I mean, it's its a little sadistic, but it's fun. I'm telling you, they are better than watching television, truly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love it. I'm here for hours and watch the chickens. So, okay, well, you're you're clearly a team chicken member, okay? So, but, I, but we've... we've oh, yeah, there, was, there was a thing, there was a reason I called, Yes, that's huh? right. So, that's exactly. Like, we went down a farming okay. rabbit hole, which this, is great. This is what we do. When when we talk to Weirdo, we, we go down rabbit holes. It's it's magnificent. So, but, but like I said, like I said, you are you are you are a team. You were a member of Team Chicken. I, that's clear. So, but what other uh, teams okay. do you root uh, well, for? As far as sports ball goes, the only um, the only professional sports games that have played on my television ever are the two times the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl. So I guess you could say I'm Team Chiefs because that's the hometown thing, you know. I'm, you know, um, whatever. I'm not even from Missouri, but a lot of people don't realize that. <laughs> like the stadium's in Raytown, man. It's not even in Kansas City, dude, <laughs> or close to Raytown. Whatever. But uh, um, I uh, 
I was thinking about this earlier, and I, I intended to call and leave a voicemail um, on the way home, um, but I, di- I didn't get to. Um, obviously, uh, I found myself um, smoking pot instead. So um, you got stoned and you missed it. Got stoned and I missed it, and I looked at my phone and it was after five five thirty. And I was like, "Oh fuck, okay, well that's cool." Um, but I am. I am team my family, first and foremost. Nice. You know? Um, Like, you know, and then after that, like, you know, I think Team No Agenda is pretty cool. Um, Team Lotus Effect, they're all right. (laughs) And uh, they're pretty cool, too. I kind of like you guys. Um, Only kinda. What the hell? Fuck you! We're better than kinda. Listen, those that know me in real life know that I don't associate with very many people on a regular basis. Um, and I'd, re- I'd associate with them even less if I could help it. So, um, <laughs> we the feel fact you. that, <laughs> uh, the fact that I, you know, I can say that I kind of like you guys, that's, that's actually a win for people in Weirdo's book or uh, in, we'll in, in my take world. It as a win. So, um, not to sound super fucking conceited or anything, because that kind of did, but I mean, I, I just I, I don't associate with very many people. I fucking associate with my chickens more than I associate with a lot of people. You're a love so, dude. Be proud of it. Leave us the fuck alone. That's that's the thing. I'm one you of know? those people that just wants to be left alone, and when exactly. I can't be left alone, it gets fucking real wild real quick. And so I just is... tune that's what I makes don't. you a pedalhead, man. We're a bunch of misfits that just want to be left the fuck alone to do our own things. And have a great yeah, goddamn dude. time while we do it. Have a great goddamn time. That's All right. day, every day. Yeah. Well. Exactly. I love yeah. All right, my friend. Uh, they, uh, we, we, I, yeah. I guess we'll be um, hanging out for Studio 33, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm actually... Uh, my fingertips are starting to get cold out here holding this phone, and it's starting to rain too. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm actually headed in. I'll be, uh, yes, I'll be here for Studio 33. It's going to be a great goddamn time. That's right. Um, you know, so, love you. Bye. 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 We love you, weirdo. You are awesome. Yes. So I'm going to leave. I think I think that was everybody that try, was trying to call in. If, however, if you are trying to call in, you can do. I'm gonna. We're just. I think we're gonna go forward here. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, we're gonna leave the phone lines open two five three two three seven three three two one. Call and tell us what your favorite sports team are. Are you team family? Are you team NA? Like we're yet. Yeah. Let us know. But I think uh, well, I think we need to. It was funny because we we started the segment and then we got phone calls. So I think we need to restart. Yeah, we're the gonna segment. Re, uh, That's what I was actually gonna recommend is that we restart. Yes, the I was segment. gonna say please restart the segment. That way, when we you know when we do our edit and stuff, we'll make it all sound real smooth. I'll take a drink and I my name's Smoke Little Reef. You know I I like to smoke reefer. You know I relax as many things. A couple of doobies, you know, just to get you through the day and everything. But I do not. Free by cocaine. Smoking. We, we be smoking, smoking. When I wake up every morning as I'm getting up, I, I hit it up. Now I'm fitted up. Yeah, so I'll tell you what. Thailand is shitting their pants. Their leaders are scrambling to backpedal a law as 6,000 pot show, 
shops, pot shops. We know what I've been doing during the fucking phone call. As 6,000 pot shops open. Thousands of cannabis shops opened across Thailand after the nation became the first in Asia to decriminalize cannabis. And there are no signs of a slowdown as opposition to the industry grows, led by the country's new prime minister. On June 9th, 2022, Thailand removed cannabis from the nation's land. Jesus Christ, I can't talk. Removed cannabis from the nation's list of banned drugs, making the country the first Asian nation to decriminalize pot. Government officials claim that the move does not legalize cannabis for recreational purposes. Under Thailand's new regulations, marijuana and hemp cultivation and commerce are no longer illegal. Restaurants and cafes are permitted to sell foods and beverages infused with cannabis, but only if they contain no more than 0.2% THC. Jesus fucking Christ, we have more than that here for our Delta 8. This is this is absolute and unequivocal fucking <coughs> bullshit. So products with higher concentrations of THC are allowed for medical purposes. Thailand's new prime minister... I'm not even trying to pronounce that. Sereta Thavison? It's as good as sure. anything. Declared war on drugs as a national agenda in his campaign. Bangkok Post reports focusing on meth, but with part of the plan to scale back the country's cannabis policy. A consensus has been reached among the 11 coalition parties as well as other parties in the opposition that the need to tackle the drug problem is high on the agenda, he said. Let's make today the start of a new fight to stamp out drug problems from society. The falling price of meth in the country led to a surge in use. He also vowed to reclassify cannabis as a narcotic. Now, Thailand's new leadership is running to rewrite the nation's cannabis policy after around 6,000 cannabis shops opened up. And people found legal loopholes to sell psychoactive cannabis despite the country's low limit on THC. The Straight Times reports the new law created a regulatory vacuum following last year's decriminalization measure. And it created a green rush with over 6,000 dispensaries spanning yeah. across the country. Yeah, and, and some some in favor of cannabis, however, argued that adding new regulations such as a track and trace system used for narcotics could actually benefit consumers. Now, the massive growth isn't being ignored, but leaders say the industry policies have to be revised. Now, Health Minister uh, Colin Sharika uh, Q uh, said in a statement late on Tuesday, between economic and health benefits, we put health first. Now, a new draft of Thailand's uh, cannabis bill failed to clear parliamentary hurdles before an election in May. The bill was significantly rewritten due to concerns that misuse of cannabis could lead to addiction. Okay, well, The Guardian reports that uh, Thavison uh, uh, has said his administration will rectify the, can the country's uh, cannabis law and limit its use to medical purposes, all within six months. Uh, um, but... Um, Let's see. Um, okay, the, the bill was yeah. So the, the um, hold on a minute. There, with the with the hard yeah, with it's, it's with a hardline anti-drug agenda, promising to control the nation's exploding cannabis market. Further, the 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 the, the, the Pew Thai Party is now in coalition with uh, another party led by Deputy Prime Minister uh, uh, Anutin uh, um, Sharvin Call, who, who which led to the decriminalization of cannabis in the first place. Now the law will need to be rewritten. They told Bloomberg, uh, in, in where he was attending the UN General Assembly. Now Bloomberg also 
posted a video of the the interview on X, uh, and it needs to be rectified. We can have, um, you know, we 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 have that or we can have that regulated for medical use only. Now, if they're asked if there'll be a compromise for retic- retic- recreational use of cannabis, Shreetha answered no adding uh, that, that, that problems due to cannabis have been widespread lately. Well, such you- a complete and utter load of <clears throat> bullshit. <laughs> that, that's all I'm saying. You know, th- they think... Well... They think they are anyway. Yeah, they think they are. Now, uh, um... Somebody made a change to the script at the very last minute here. I, I this is I'm actually kind of impressed that she was a, we were doing this kind of like and in in the, yeah I was watching it happen as I was she had me because she had me vamped during that whole thing it was it's kind of amazing I'm, I'm like all right let's see, let's just see what happens here so all right meanwhile let's go on to the next story. Goddamn too high, goddamn too high, now, the, the headline for the story is Napoleon Bonaparte uh, banned cannabis because his soldiers were getting too high. Now, Ridley Scott, who uh, I didn't realize he was still alive, and, but he has, and I didn't even realize they're producing films still. But he can he, he he released a new film containing many historical inaccuracies to spice up the uh, conqueror's life uh, about um, about Napoleon. None of them wilder than this hard fact. Now, the Imperial French army invaded Egypt in 1798 after capturing the Mediterranean port of Malta with two purposes to break up trade routes between India and England and to establish French rule in the Middle East. Unfortunately, Napoleon's biggest obstacle wasn't the Egyptians themselves, but their love of hashish, a love that spread to his own soldiers and which he eventually resolved to ban, thus laying the foundation for Western Europe's approach to cannabis. Rather than fo- forcing their own customs onto Egyptians, Napoleon urged his administrators to embrace the local culture. French forces, including uh, scholars and scientists, uh, established uh, libraries and research centers to nourish their genuine interest in the in the many, tra- uh, many traditions and inventions of the Islamic world. Um, and uh, lacking the access to their French wines and liquors, they also learned about hashish and soon began frequenting the cafes, uh, markets, and lounges where the substance was typically found. Now, legend has it that Napoleon issued a ban on hashish because his soldiers were too stoned to fight. But this is as much of a misconception as Ridley's film. In truth, hash did not become illegal until after the campaign had come to an end. The ban itself wasn't implemented by Napoleon, but one of his generals, and its goal wasn't to protect French citizens against the drug's uh, eroding influence, but exert control over Egypt and Syria by pitting its own citizens against each other. That sounds that it sounds like a, sounds like what the fuck the Americans are doing. Yes, as Ryan Stoa explains in his article, a brief. Global History of the War on Cannabis, written for the MIT Press Reader, uh, hashish in Egypt was associated with Sufi mystics and looked down upon the Sunni elite. The General Napoleon left in charge of Egypt, uh, Jacques Francois Menu, saw the hashish ban as an opportunity to kill two birds with one stone. In addition to improving a perceived public health problem, the general, married to a Sunni elite, also hoped to earn the respect of his in-laws. Oh, so, you know, uh, well, that explains a whole lot. Issued in 1800, uh, Menu's uh, mandate is is often considered the first drug prohibition law of the modern world. It is also one of the most uncompromising, prohibiting the cultivation, sale, and consumption of cannabis in one fell swoop. Egyptians weren't allowed to smoke cannabis itself, nor were they allowed to mix it into their liquor. Those who are accustomed to drinking this liquor and smoking this seed, the mandate read, lose reason and fall into a violent delirium, which often leads them to commit excesses of all kinds. This ban, like many other idealistic goals produced by Napoleon's administration, didn't work out. According to Stoa, hashish continued to be grown, traded, and used 
across Egypt. A practice that, if archaeological finds can be believed, dates back as far as 3000 BC. That's a long time to be smoking weed. Uh, not only did French soldiers fail to prevent Egyptians from smoking hash, but they also ended up introducing the substance to Western Europe, not unlike some of the American veterans returning from Vietnam. Um, Hash wasn't the only cannabis product that played an unlikely role in the Napoleonic Wars, however. Even more important was the hemp plant itself, which could be transformed into bags, rope, cordage, sails, and other materials that are tantamount to waging a successful war. Um, flourishing trade between England and Russia, Europe's top hemp producers, was a major concern for Napoleon as he marched his forces into the Russian heartland on their way to Moscow. Now, just as French emperor had sought to regulate the consumption of hash, so did he attempt to gain control of the production of hemp. In the so-called Peace Treaty of, T of Tilsit signed in 1807 before France's invasion of Russia, Napoleon actually demanded that Russia's Tsar Alexander I ceased to do business with Great Britain. No business with Britain meant less hemp. Less hemp meant a weaker army. A weaker army meant a greater chance at victory. Now, maybe if the Tsar had accepted these terms, Napoleon would have made it to, to Moscow after all. Well, we don't really know that for sure, but um, but but uh, yeah, that's interesting to, to know that uh, Napoleon had something to do with the first uh, the first uh, uh, I don't know that uh, making making weed illegal. Well, leave it to the French to fuck shit up. Oh, well, you know, yeah, they do. Uh, meanwhile, let's this thing gets fucked up. iPhone, my phone. The way I see it, the only good phone's a landline, and the phone should be made out of Bakelite. Yeah, it is. Carl's Jr. Fuck you. I'm eating. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, we're eating leftovers tonight. We're eating leftovers tonight, and again, that turkey. Oh my god, that yeah, that's amazing. It's it's like eating it's I, like I, eating brisket. Almost. I'll tell you what, y'all. Like no joke, I heated some of this up late last night because I got the munchies, and it smelled so smoky, like it it brought out those wonderful notes of having been smoked. So when I opened the microwave, I got that beautiful smoky delicious barbecue aroma yeah and i will tell you that yes the leftovers were pretty amazing I, i'm gonna um this is uh yeah that i mean i ate the, i ate the turkey cold out of the fridge this is this is how i roll um because i had and I, I forgot to mention the fact that the turkey we got it was a fresh turkey that was appropriately raised from a place called um, Terrapin Farms. Terrapin Farms, right? It's probably yeah. It's, I think it's closer to Cookville. If it I is actually in Cookville, I believe. Okay, uh, yeah, because because of the source for it that make the or the because we because we found out about it from our uh, from our beef from, lady. from 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 Ruth um, at, at, at uh, Randolph Farms. So. Um, but yes, let me tell you that, I mean, even in the cold that you can just, it's just, I mean, the, the smoke actually kind of overpowers the turkey a little bit. So you don't, you actually don't taste the, you don't taste too much of the turkey. Um, but you the, think? I think it does. I mean, not the, the, actually keep in mind that the, the natural birds have a very different flavor anyway. Right. So True. This, I think this is, like I said, I don't really taste, you know, I mean, it, I mean, it, it kind of tastes like turkey, but it's, but the smoke is what I taste. <laughs> And it's, it's really good, though. I mean, for sure. Well, you uh, either do or don't like it. No, I love it. No, I love it. Don't get me wrong. It was. It was okay. A, it was a, but anyway, um, now this this story. This is this is a well. This is a story. This is a result of your action, dumb fuck. That's right. So now, recently, students and so the the, uh, the title of this story was called "Please Dox Me," and it's actually it's actually like an opinion piece in the in the in the National Review, if you of all places, if I remember um, where I got it from. I have it. I have it. Um, 
I have an archive.ph link for it that'll be in the show notes. Uh, so recently, students have been shocked upon realizing that their public expressions of sympathy toward Hamas uh, and fierce condemnations of Israel were seen as highly objectionable. Progressive students at elite universities assumed they had immunity by virtue of their credentials, and they imagined the university administrators would protect them from the consequences of, of commending terrorists. And of course, they didn't expect that the mainstream media could possibly hold an alternative view since it rarely does. So how did they respond to criticism? By complaining that they had been doxxed. Well, now, although the formal definition of doxing is the disclosing of private information about a person, especially as a form of revenge, college students have expanded it to mean referencing a person's public act uh, where there was no presumption of privacy. Now, supposedly, it's a serious offense on campuses to identify someone who attends a protest, even though the purpose of a protest is to attract attention for a specific cause or position. So uh, when Alexandra Orbach, a Jewish conservative student and reporter at Princeton University, attempted to record a pro-Palestine Palestinian demonstration, a demonstrator used his Palestinian flag to cover her camera. After the Harvard Undergraduate Palestinian Solidarity Committee held a die-in event, uh, the group released a statement. As hundreds of people were laying on the ground, an individual unaffiliated began recording their faces as they laid in a vulnerable position. In response, the student group practiced the non-violent de-escalatory practice of public pressure by chanting shame. Now we got, we heard that in it. We were, we were saying when we were doing the protest. I actually had an old Israeli man, uh, shout at me and and throw shame upon me which i returned to him yes. for the fact he saw us carrying the Israeli flags. Later, the organization released a, a photo of the student who had been filming them, revealing his face but blurring that of a demonstrator. Uh, double standard as, as this goes here. Um, Usually. Yes. Um, on November 11th, the dean of Harvard Law School sent an email to students stating, our Muslim students have recounted the impact of the doxing campaigns and other harassment they've experienced and also feeling fear in their daily lives. The dean did not specify how doxing was defined, however. And, um, campus protesters um, said a condition that they expect us to honor. Do not film me with your phone as I willingly participate in this public disruption for a political cause, an action that I want people to act to notice. They exercise their free speech rights while insisting that nobody broadcast or even criticize the speech. The, protest the protesters want group visibility and, individu and individual indiv invisibility. They defend a freedom of association that recognizes the collective and glosses over the individual, thereby enabling maximum disorder without any self-sacrifice or cost. So that, that fucking, that explains a whole lot right there. Apparently, it's also doxing to cite that a person signed a public statement or open letter with their given name. Yet the entire purpose of signing such a statement is to publicly declare your position. You implicitly consent to having that position accurately attributed to you, thereby assuming a degree of risk. Surely activists don't have some in inviolable right to an anonymity once they decide that the previously stated position is no longer socially, politically, and professionally advantageous. And that's exactly what seems to be happening with a lot of this, folks, especially as we, you know, we start like, you know, deconstructing constructing some of the COVID stuff and, you know, and when people, you know, publicly having one position and then backtracking after the fact, and we're talking about people saying, oh, it's safe and effective. Well, safe for whom and effective at what? I still don't know. Um, well, they can't, uh, they can't answer that question. That's right. So these people, I mean, basically, I mean, these people are fucking stupid, right? I mean, if you're, if you're going to be out in public space, you have absolutely no expectation of privacy whatsoever. So yeah, if you're and, and you're, you're not going to win in an attempt to take legal action against someone who films you in a public space. I've actually seen videos where a man was filming and it was, quote unquote, making the people inside this particular shop where he was filming uncomfortable. 
Okay, he was on the sidewalk. He was in public space. And they were like, oh, we're going to call the cops. We're going to call the cops. Oh, fine. Cops show up and basically told them, look, he's well within his rights to do what he's doing. So get the fuck over it. And that's basically what these people need to understand is if you're going to put yourself out there, like prime example, phone boy and I, when we went to the protest in Israel, if we had been filmed and put on the news, there is, and believe me, we saw the news cameras. We were at the front line. So it would not surprise me if our faces, our images were not captured on Israeli television for the purpose of um, reporting on the demonstration. So we would have absolutely no way of arguing had someone taken their phone out and recorded us any more than the news media recording us. We put ourselves out there. We knew what we were doing. <clears throat> These people are doing the same thing. If you are going to engage in a public display for whatever and someone films you, expect that that's going to happen. And if you don't want it to happen, then I suggest you either A, cover your face, or B, don't put yourself out there and participate in this public display of stupidity. And honestly, if you are, um, you know, on, honestly, if, uh, you, if you're afraid of being identified with, with the cause that you're, uh, that you're trying, that you're trying to support, maybe you shouldn't be supporting that cause. Maybe that's just my opinion. Oh, it's, it's total virtue signaling at that point. If you're not willing to put your ass on the line and be okay with what the consequences are, if they end up being negative, then honestly, you don't belong supporting that cause because all you're doing is virtue signaling. Yes. You're either all in or you're not. There is no, there is no gray area on it. Uh, that's right. Now, uh, meanwhile, there's no, uh, I, don't, I don't think there's any gray area here. Humanity was incapable of solving even its most basic problems, like garbage, which had been stacked for centuries. Now, along the same lines as this previous story, it was kind of, we kind of get the same thing here. So, um, so in 2021, there was a car accident in, in Atwater, California, that killed a married couple, Pam and Joe uh, Juarez. According to police reports at the time, a 20-year-old Stanford student, King Vanga, struck their car from behind. Here's how he, so, and, and, and so uh, the California Highway Patrol says that Pam, 56, and Joe, 57, were driving west on Santa Fe Avenue, approaching a spaceport entry in Atwater. They were just minutes away from their son's house. Now, officials say... That's when 20-year-old King Vanga collided into the back of their car at a high rate of speed. Uh, the uh, the Juarez's spun out and their vehicle caught fire. Vanga overturned into a fence. This, the Juarez's died at the scene. Vanga had minor injuries and was booked into the Merced County Jail for driving under the influence of drugs and or alcohol and vehicle mans vehicular manslaughter. The filed police reports claim that the officers believed Vanga was under the influence of alcohol, saying they smelled alcohol. They, they were unable to administer a field sobriety test. He was still charged with a DUI along with vehicular manslaughter charges. Vanga has since sued the police, claiming that the police violated his rights by attacking and tasing him and that he never drinks and therefore the DUI charges are bogus. A blood test that was analyzed later by the California DOJ found he had no traces of alcohol in his blood at the time, so it's entirely possible he wasn't actually drunk. Whether or not he was actually drunk or not seems to be a fairly minor point in all of this, given that two people died in an accident where Vanga drove into the back of their car at high speed. All right, I want to point out the fact that they are saying he wasn't drunk, but that doesn't mean he wasn't under the influence, considering the fact that weed was legal at this time. Yeah. So it's very possible he could have been under the influence of something else. He didn't have to be drunk to be impaired.
That's right. Uh, the family of Pam and Joe Juarez were understandably upset by their death. And a, and a few family members sent emails to Stanford to alert them what had happened and alert them that they did not feel that Venga had lived up to Stanford's code of conduct. And, you know, and, and yes, yeah, so these high-end universities do have these things. I think even, I'm sure even, uh, I'm sure, ever, actually, I think every university has a code of conduct and they, that's, they can expel students if you don't do that. You exactly. Don't. You have a reputation to uphold if you're a student at one of these elite colleges. Yes. So Venga... Venga somewhat incredibly has decided to sue the family members of the couple he killed, claiming that their emails to Stanford were defamatory because A, they mentioned the DUI based on the police report and public reporting, and B, some of them said he murdered their family members rather than merely killing them. Now, let me repeat that because it is quite incredible. It's undisputed that Venga rear-ended another car, leading to the death of the two people in that car. Some family member of the dead couple sent understandably angry letters to Stanford, the university Venga attended. And now Venga has sued those family members for relying on a potentially inaccurate police report and using the word murder for what he did. Now, strategic lawsuits against public participation or strategic litigation against public participation are they're lawsuits that are intended to censor, intimidate, and silence critics by burdening them with the cost of a legal defense until they abandon their criticism or opposition. They're known by the acronym SLAP, and this is this is a pretty slappy lawsuit if we're getting down to it. Now, one of the defendants, uh, Priscilla Juarez, the daughter-in-law of the deceased couple, has uh, brought on Ken Popat White to represent uh, her against this insult to injury lawsuit. Now, White has now filed an anti-slap motion on Juarez's behalf that calls out just how crazy the situation is. And, and re this reads from the, the from the re response. Uh, Plaintiff King Varga, a privileged student at an elite university, killed defendant Priscilla Juarez's in-laws and is now using her pri for privately complaining about it. He's doing so in an overt... Suing her. Yeah, suing her, yes. Uh, he is doing so in an overt effort to extort from her a promise not to encourage his criminal prosecution. This is a socking and contemptual abuse of the justice system. Fortunately, the system that lets King Varga abuse and harass his victims also provides a remedy. California's robust anti-slap statute, plaintiff's First Amendment complaint, is a classic slap, and this court should dismiss it as it awards Miss, uh, Miss Juarez her fees and costs. Now, the facts of the situation are not in dispute, but apparently uh, the defendant does not want these facts brought up. Now, taking it a step further, plaintiff's counsel sent Mrs. Juarez an email offering to drop the lawsuit if Miss Juarez agreed not to make or publish any disparaging statements about Mr. Vanga in the future, and and not not to encourage the criminal prosecution of Miss Vanga, including uh, by communicating with government officers or protesting at any conference, a hearing, or trial involving Mr. Vanga, Miss Mrs. Juarez, and it did not agree to abandon her First Amendment right for her for her in-laws, uh, for sure. And I mean, it just it just blows me away that people you know get pissed this off. This is a prime example of entitlement and audacity because. This person obviously does not think that they should have to suffer. Oh, we have an incoming call. All right. Hello, Keller. You're on the air with Phoenix and Phone Boy. No, I'm not, am I? Yes, you are. Yes, You're you live. are. Say it, ain't, say it ain't so. Okay, it ain't so. But it really is. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, what did you guys talk about? What we're talking about? We were, we were, well, no, we were, but the, I think well, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, fire is what's your favorite sports team. And currently what we're talking about is whether or not an entitled little dick wheeze, uh, attending a prestigious university who killed two people by his negligence when he slammed into the rear of their vehicle, uh, suing the family because they told the college he wasn't, uh, 
performing to the standard of the code of ethics. Is this recent? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, it was a it was a Tector story. Huh. Have you not been listening to the That's, show, uh, damn it? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm just leaving from northern Michigan to go it's home. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, the actual, so the actual, so our question, I think our question, our, our, our refire question was, uh, what, what, what sports teams are you, uh, or, or what, what teams do you root for? And then it was the way right. it was phrased. So we assume that means sports, but it could, could be anything else, any other kind of team you want. Uh, root for uh, the Red Wings, obviously. Uh, obviously. Uh, I guess the Detroit. Lions? I don't know. Hey, they've had a great season so although far. This I, year. I, I, although they got ups, they got upset on Thanksgiving by the Packers. They yes, did. They did by the fucking Packers. So yeah, as soon as I want to watch a game and if uh, you know, I think I'm going to enjoy watching a game, then they lose to the freaking Packers at home. Yeah, that's a kick in the nuts for so. sure. Yeah, and, you know, I was a season ticket holder for a lot of years through the 90s, and uh, it kind of got to a point when, uh, if, and by the way, if you got Amazon Prime, watch Bye Bye Barry, the documentary of Barry Sanders, uh, the greatest NFL running back ever. Um, it, uh, his sentiment was basically the same as mine. It was shocking that I had to watch a documentary to kind of find out about that, but he was kind of, oh, I just passed a deer right on the side of the road there. He was pretty close. Looked like he wanted to run across. Um, oh, there's a dead one. Uh, it'll, anyways, it'll, it'll, be, uh, it'll be interesting, by the way. It'll be interesting at the end of the day to see how he, uh, how uh, Christian McCaffrey will compare. I know he's like, yeah, I think he's actually breaking uh, rec- like Niners records for sure. And they were talking about it in the context of like the number of, you know, there's some guy that got I, 31 touchdowns in a season or something like that. Something crazy. Like, um, CMC. CMC has already got like oh. 19 or something on the year or something. I think that's what the number was, but anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, no, I don't think anybody could ever, I don't think anybody could ever touch just the pure running. Uh, he might not have a lot of the records, but uh, he was just a, a freak of nature. If you go back and watch the runs if you watch that documentary it's on amazon prime oh yeah i mean uh, yeah like really, i said really i mean good. yeah i mean yeah barry sanders uh, was it was always fun to document. watch as a you know there was not a lions fan but but yeah it's there's there's just some but you can appreciate he did, talent. he did 10 seasons and he was out uh and i think it was just he was sick and tired of the lions organization and uh that's what happened with a lot of fans because uh they used to play in Pontiac, Michigan, which is quite a little ways outside of Detroit, and then they built a new stadium in Detroit. Um, and I, being a season ticket holder, I think for eight, nine year, eight or nine years there, uh, when they told us where we could pick from to get tickets, uh, it was like shit tickets, and I was like, screw this. I had a buddy that kept the tickets for I think for another three years after that. Uh, but those were also the years that they went downtown and continued to lose, and I think uh, you know hit the the winless season, uh, which was a record at the time. But now uh, I think Cleveland had a winless season too. So uh, 
I kind of just gave up on him because he'd done so many stupid moves over the year. One of the revelations of the Barry years was that when Joe Montana was leaving, when they kind of got, I don't know if they get, did they get rid of him out of, I'm sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, of course. Yeah. So they, yeah, they, 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 I guess they traded him. They ended up trading him to Kansas city in the, that's where, cause that's where he spent a a couple of seasons as their quarterback. was there an actual trade that happened, or I believe so? Yes, I mean, there either a trade. I mean, there there okay. was. I don't remember what the details of it because I was not following that closely back then. But yes, I, I okay. just yeah, you know, I just knew at some point he was on. He, he was he was suddenly on the roster for the Kansas City Chiefs. But there may have been a trade or it something. Was either that, was that or he got released as a free agent because they were going to go with Steve Young as quarterback. Yeah, now. that's yeah. This is yeah and, yeah. Uh, back in the Bill Walsh days, at one he always, point apparently Steve Young had contacted. Yeah. Yeah, as I was gonna say, I mean, it's they, Bill Walsh used to say the whole thing was would take you trade a player a year too early rather than a year too late. So, yeah, that's. But they, anyways, he contacted Wayne Fonts and expressed a desire to come play for the Lions and play with Barry Sanders. And uh, Wayne Fonts went to the general manager, who was Chuck Schmidt at the time, and told him, "No, he's too old." Which. Joe Montana went to Kansas City and lit it up for another like two or three years, I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, it, he, he did all right. You know, it's a it's good. Yeah, it's it's kind of you know because you could. It's kind of funny because I think he uh, um, he had a um, yeah, you know he he I think there was a there was a question about you know I don't know I think I think he kind of played played that up one day when they were when when both teams were playing or something yeah, um, you know as to which team he would root for in that in that discussion, um, but uh, yeah, he's definitely more associated with the Niners and the Kansas City Chiefs, but. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But, and then I guess it happened. The same thing happened with Warren Moon when he was done in Houston, and got a, and they he had called the Lions and expressed an interest. And then the same thing, he went to that general manager again and said, "Oh no, no, Warren Moon's too old." And Warren Moon went and did pretty decent for a couple of years in uh, uh, Minnesota, I believe. Uh, so yeah, stuff like that, the stupid decisions that they made, and uh, bad player decisions, or they just wouldn't uh, actively try to maintain players that they had that were uh, decent role players or even great role players in the system. Just you get downtrodden when they lose and lose and lose, and then you're like, I, "Why am I watching this?" Like, like what? You know, how many times can you get kicked in the nuts before you move? Well, yeah, or make changes. I know the Niners went through that in like the you know the 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 early the two thousands up until up until about twenty seventeen when they when they finally hit on uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and they're, they're finally the organization's going the right direction. So yeah, well the, the fucking start a, to the season it's a little bit different though because I think the Lions had something there, but they did their damnedest to screw it up and not improve it. So well, the, it was like what what do we? So I think finally now that. The owner of that that of the Lions was William Clay Ford, who is a Ford uh, of the 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 motor car name. I think he was in in charge of the Lincoln division for a little while, and they kind of pushed him to the side. He was still a uh, board member. His son is, I think, in charge of Ford now. Uh, but he was uh, one of Henry Ford's sons, and he just never. Uh, he didn't do that great in a lot of different positions other than having a lot, a shit ton of money. And now his, his wife who would be Martha Ford 
is the owner, and he's she's kind of taking a uh, backseat and letting her her sister or her her daughter kind of run the team, and she's kind of letting more of uh, other people that are in charge of the team make the decisions instead of you know pulling the strings from ultimately instead of letting NFL professionals make the the calls like they did in the past. Yeah, because it, yeah, because it, it's it's when yeah when people that are making certain decisions shouldn't be making those decisions. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you you can see what happens when an organization football is always, is kind of good. It's like the organizations that do well consistently have alignment in all those areas, right? So the the team, yeah, you know, the team's going the same direction. So even if like one year you might have it because you know, sometimes you have a bad season just because just because of like injuries or something like that, right? It's not it's it, it, there's there's lots of reasons that the, the teams have bad seasons, but um, but generally the team is cohesive. And, and yeah, I mean, because they were, you know, this was, like I said, you know, so every organization goes through this at some point. And, and sometimes even with all of that, you can have a lucky, uh, you can, you know, you can, you can, st- you have, you have enough good athletes, you can actually get and have one and have one year, um, you know, with, with, and, and get the, and actually get the Super Bowl or something by, by, you know, sort of by sheer happenstance. But the organizations that are consistently in it are the ones that have alignment at all those levels, right? Whether, you know, this, the structure is probably different between them all, but they all, but yeah, the ones that do really well have have this alignment and that's what and that's uh you know that's why the, the organization yeah then the, they don't have as much tur- i mean some organizations have turnover and there's plenty of jobs and everything that people want there's only 32 it, head coaching think, jobs for instance right i think a lot of times it it uh those organizations that do better they have owners that know when to dial it back and let others make decisions on their behalf instead of trying to think that it's their little uh like they're somehow qualified just because they purchased a sports team, you know? Well, you know, it also comes down to the fact that you have to be willing to spend money to make money in so much as you've got to be able and willing to put that money out to get the talent to build the team that's going to be successful because you're no... And maintain the talent. Well, yeah. and and the culture too, because every team has a culture to it, and it's so, yeah. That's a big thing that the you know the, the you know at least in some of the Niners coverage I look at is that yeah that yeah that the standard is back right, and that's and that's why the, and, and so now that they're talking in terms in terms of that and they're dealing with it and you know so they, that's when the players start holding each other accountable and and th- you know things things uh, don't don't uh, stick around on the team that shouldn't stick around on the team because of the result of that so um, and things and everybody's going the same direction but yeah and that's the only way that you're going to be successful. You know, in in pro sports, there are no participation trophies. You need to go out there no. and you need to earn the money you're getting paid. And if you're not getting paid enough, then you need to work fucking harder so that you can make those plays, get noticed, and get that salary. Yeah, exactly. But in the, in the, the but the one of the problems with professional sports, there is a paycheck regardless of how your your teams do. And I think there's a lot of owners out there that view that as a. Uh, uh, is hey, I'm making money. Who cares if I win or lose? Kind of, kind of thing. Yeah, but if you want to, I mean, so. you can't sit there and <clears throat> piss and moan that you know. Well, how come Nicky Bosa's making the most in the NFL? Well, have you fucking seen him play? He's pretty goddamn good at football. That's, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, that which reminds yeah. me, I need to pull a clip from the post game show on that because he said he's, he says I eat meat only, no carbs or something like that. Oh yeah. I, I gotta get I gotta get that, but. Um, 
All right. Well, I think we've uh, I think we've exhausted this topic enough for that for that we, we still have a little bit of more, we, we're we're getting close to three hours here, so we we have, we have a couple more stories. Yes, to do we for, are. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Net Net, for calling in. We appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate it. And nope. I assume we'll no see you problem. in Studio Thirty Three. I am just pulling out onto the highway, so uh, played some wonderful hits on the way. Oh, uh, you know, we will. Got a two, well, two and a half hour drive ahead of me right now. Oh wow! All right, we'll make sure we play plenty of Sammy Hagar. We know how much you love him. <laughs> what? Oh, did you hear him with? Did you see, see it with the, the clip with him on uh, Stern uh, playing with? They got Joe Satriani that they're going to tour with, and uh, Michael Anthony is playing with them. Uh, the actually, original basis from Van Halen, but Joe Satriani totally fucking nails Eddie's. I mean, like perfect, like almost like album perfect. Ooh, it was quite amazing because he played. He played that. I don't know if you know what the. Uh, there's a little starting to uh, Mean Street where he's kind of like. It's got this crazy like guitar lick. It almost sounds like he's hitting the guitar, and it does this. Uh, yeah. Joe Satriani just played that little opener, and it was spot on. And then they played uh, one of the Van Hagar songs, and he played the solo for that, and it was just perfect. It was pretty amazing. So when you guys get to Rideshare, or uh, what what do we call it? Studio uh, 33. Studio 33, sorry. I'm, I thought it was Friday still, maybe. Um, look that up, and maybe maybe you could play the, the, the uh, little live piece from Stern. I don't think they played the whole song, but it's pretty impressive. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. And Sammy actually sounds good. I know. You know, it's almost like he's the best front man. And I like to lie. Yes, we we know you lie often, but at least in that sense, you were telling the truth. (laughs) No, no, it was not at all. All right. Well, I love you guys. We, we love you. Be careful, and uh, hopefully, we'll see you in the chat when you get back. Yeah, drive, drive safe, Net. Net. Thanks sounds, for calling in. We appreciate it. Sounds great. Yep. We'll see you. Right, bye. 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 Okay. So there we go. All right. So now we can we can so now we can go on to the we're, so we're so we're almost three hours in the show. Now we're getting we're we're now we're talking about the true story of Thanksgiving. So yes, we are. Yeah. Turkey, lurkey, do and turkey, lurkey, dap. I eat that turkey, then I take a nap. Yes, of course. Uh, that we, we did not take a nap, however. We were we were we were busy doing stuff on our turkey. Yeah, we day. were. Uh, we, I was splitting wood. We didn't talk about me splitting wood. Actually, <laughs> you grew three new nut hairs over the fact you split this wood. Tell them about it. Yes. So yeah, we so we, we had some issues with um, where we were we we have we were uh, needed to we needed to split the 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 wood down that we were using to keep the smoker going. Now I had never split. I had not really spent a lot of time splitting wood. So this is a this is the first time I had. Took and some uh, uh, or foam boy bunion. Yeah. So now what we had done, we were having issues doing it the way we were doing it, and we ended up we ended up with two axes. You basically were clanging one against the other, uh, and uh, and so I was. Uh, but I but uh, we had some wood that we were having issues trying to do that with, and we know it was because there was knots in it and stuff like that. I kind of looked at it and went, well, let me see if I can uh, let, let me see if I can take some uh, you know just basically see if I can deconstruct this log. And sure enough, I did. It took me a little while, but uh, uh, and you were and you were watching me. Uh, you were kind of you were kind of impressed by all of this. I was very impressed. Yeah, you were moist. I believe you said. 
I believe that's the term I used. Yeah. So, so yes, I was, so I, I, yes, I, this is the first time I had spent, you know, and we, so we got, we ended up making a whole box full of the, you know, the, the of, I now have a box full of kindling smat slash small wood. So I can effectively do the next smoke, which will probably end up being the standing rib roast for Christmas in about four or five weeks. Yeah, there you go. So, um, all right. But meanwhile, we're gonna get, we're gonna talk about this, the true story of Thanksgiving. Now, of course, you've, you've you've probably you know if you've all been in the no agenda sphere, you probably you probably heard JCD talk about, and you've probably read the article from JCD about the uh, about how how Thanksgiving is a bogative holiday. Well, there's there's also something about the hol- the, the, the story of Thanksgiving that uh, that is not really talked about, and uh, you know. And leave it to to, to I almost called him uh, Lush uh, Rimjob, which is uh, which is the name I had for for him at one point. But Rush Limbaugh, rest in peace. Um, um, so this is this is a uh, this is a segment. This is from a segment he did uh, in 2020, and I actually read some of the because he talked about this. He actually talked about this story in his books too. So I remember reading this as in, in, as, as a as a as a as a young adult uh, in his books. As I think it was uh, the way things ought to be. And see, I told you so. So I'm so. But he did this in a uh, on a radio show, and some of the stuff that he did uh, talked he talked about here. He did in a radio show in 2020 uh, before he passed away. Uh, so there were no friends to greet the pilgrims when they arrived in what is now modern day New England in November of 1620. There was no shelter of any kind other than hiding under a tree. There was nothing, folks. It was desolate. There were no hotels. There were no inns. There were no places to clean up. There were no houses. I mean, this was real hardship. The sacrifice they that the, that the uh, that the settlers uh, made for freedom to worship was just beginning. Now, now many people died that first winter and getting to spring was it was in fact an act of survival that you and I couldn't possibly relate to or understand. Now, now if you're in arm if you're in American special forces, you probably can. Military people who've been trained and understand what the pilgrims were, you and I cannot. Uh, we've never done anything like that first winter in the new world. They survived it. Spring finally came and they did meet the Indians, the Native Americans who were there who did help them in planting corn and fishing for cod. They showed them where the beavers were so the beavers could be skinned for coats, among other things, right? Um, now, that's where the story ends If in the history books. That's the feel-good story. It doesn't even get close to the true story. Now, you know, Thanksgiving's actually explained in some textbooks as a holiday for which the pilgrims gave thanks to, it, to the Indians for saving their lives. It wasn't that. That happened. But Thanksgiving was a devout expression of gratitude the pilgr- to the, pilgrim, or the pilgrims to God for their survival and everything that was a part of it. Now, here's the part that's been omitted from the typical historical account. Now, the original contract the pilgrims entered into in Holland, and yes, they had sponsors. Now, they didn't have the money to do to do this trip from the from the old world to the new world on their own. They had sponsors, and they were merchant sponsors in London and in Holland. And these merchant sponsors demanded that everything that the pilgrims produced in the new world would go into a common store, a single bank, if you will, and that each member of the pilgrim community was entitled to one share. Kind of like a commune, right? Now, um, and this this is uh, you know now William Bradford, who had become the governor of the colony because he was the leader, recognized that this just wasn't going to work. This was costly and destructive, and it, it just wasn't working. And it was collectivism. It was socialism. It wasn't working, right? And and so um, there 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 was no prosperity. There was no creativity. There was no incentive. And here's what Bradford wrote about the, the failure himself, right? For the community, so far as it was to breed much confusion and discontent, they were not happy, in other words. This, this community was found to breed much, yeah, um, this, this community was found to breed much confusion and discontent and retard much employment that would have been to their benefit and comfort. In other words, nobody worked, right? The way it was set up, 
killed and discouraged work because there was no need. Right? For the young men, the most able and fit for labor and service sat around and did nothing. They should spend their time and strength to work for other men's wives and children without getting paid for it. Why should they do that? So they didn't. That was thought injustice. Why would you work? Why why should you work for other people when you can't work for yourself? And and that and that couldn't be expected to do their best. And, and and that people could not be expected to do their best work without incentive. So what did Bradford's uh, community try next? They harnessed the power of good old free enterprise by invoking capitalism, the principle of private property, all the way back in the 1600s. That was incredible. Every family was assigned its own plot of land, and they could do whatever they wanted to with it. This had very good success, wrote Bradford, for it made all kinds of hands industrious. So, so as much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been. So, uh, so when profit was introduced, when the opportunity to prosper was introduced, it went, it went gangbusters. Now that, my friends, is the essence of the true story of Thanksgiving. And this is where it gets really good. And if you're laboring under the misconception, you know, if you're under, you know, undergoing the misconceptions that you were then, they set up trading posts. Right, and it was exchange, and, and they exchanged goods with the Indians after they had enjoyed this prosperity. And it was not the Indians that brought them to prosperity. It was. It's not said to insult anybody. The the Indians assisted in their arrival undeniably. But what led to prosperity for these original settlers was the was that the common store failed. Socialism didn't work, and they ch- and they changed course and did something else. And it still doesn't. No, and it still doesn't. So you know, and I, rem- and I remember Rush talking about this because I used to listen to his show back in the nineties, and you know, I. I, I tune into it every now and again for, um, you know, and, 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 you know, since then, but, and he's passed on now, but you know, this story, and then he also, he, he actually, you know, talks about this and, you know, he's got, he's written a number of books and he's talked and he's, and he's, uh, and he's talked about the story and the idea is because, because he was, he was definitely, you know, from, from the very beginnings, like this, this, so this socialism, this communist, this communist collectivist, whatever the fuck you want to call it today. This concept doesn't work. We've tried it many times. We've tried it hundreds of times. You know, it's like okay, but we didn't do it the right way or something. Well, it's 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 been tried. That's all we can say about it. So I think at the end of the day, yes, this was this was a um, this was a thing here. Um, so, um, but I think this is a, yeah, I think this is a thing. Um, you know, but anyway, we I think we are um, at the I think I think we're down to the dishonorable mentions. I believe we are. Yeah, y'all are a bunch of fucking degenerates. Yeah. Oh, so uh, the opening clip we have for this next story, uh, if you're old enough, you'll recognize it. Yeah, there you go. That's old. That's old Pong, um, you know, from the from the arcade. Now, um, this is a, so apparently there's a new Atari 2600 Plus, and it you know the article in Ars Technica says it doesn't uh, justify its uh, it doesn't justify its plus. A uh, hundred and thirty dollar nostalgia box is useful for you know a hundred and thirty dollar nostalgia box is useful for seeing your old Atari cartridges in HD, and that's about it. Now the uh, and if you've ever tried plugging an unmodified early generation gaming console into an HD TV, you already know that modern flat screens do a pretty poor job with RF signals that were designed for a completely different CRT display setting. The, the recently released Atari 2600 Plus helps fix this specific problem, giving retro gamers a way to get their classic Atari cartridges looking nice and sharp on an uh, on an HD screen. Uh, now, unfortunately, that's about all this bare-bones $130 hardware does. It's similar to an Atari 2600 with an HDMI output, though it does though it does not work with uh, uh, Sega Genesis controllers, which actually did work in the original hardware. I didn't know that. Uh, today I learned, I guess. 
and it takes a few seconds longer than the instantaneous boot of the original. Uh, thus, the Atari 2600 is really only useful for retro gamers who have a very specific need to play authentic Atari 2600 cartridges with authentic 20, Atari 2600 controllers on an HD TV. And even if that's what you're looking for, $130 might be a bit of a bit of an asking big of an asking price for such a bare bones system. I, I tend to agree with that. Um, I mean, I don't think this is a, a big thing. Um, so um, oh, we, we got one more here. Um, Yeah, we got to play that in Studio 33 for sure. Um, so former harbor master of Oakland, Brock DeLapp, doesn't like to use the word piracy to describe waterborne crime on the Oakland slash Alameda estuary. Now, uh, people have this romantic view of pirates. Johnny Depp, Pirates of the Caribbean. Arg, of asked you, mate, he said Dr. Lapp and a, a marine consultant who was also Alameda's harbor master before his retirement. Now, the reality is anything but romantic as their so-called pirates are nothing like the real Oakland Raiders, as one newspaper headline put it. Now, the, the, these people uh, are just common and criminals living on illegal anchor off festival uh, vessels committing robberies within the San Francisco Bay, he said. Anchor offs or anchor outs are boats that are illegally anchored without a permit. Uh, this past summer, a spree of robberies plagued the 800 foot wide estuary involving stolen motorboats that were used to prey on larger vessels and marinas. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, when you don't enforce crime, uh, criminals, that's what you get. That's what you get. So, you know, this is a result of that, you dumb fuck, as they say. Precisely. And so, yeah, this is, I mean, seriously, like, we've got to, this, I've got to, I've got to figure out where we are here. And I think it's. So fucking over this. Yeah. We're, I think we're, I think we're done with it, honey. I agree. All right. And uh, so the show, this is, this show's over, folks. And it ends something like this. Jordan fades back. Swoosh. And that's the game. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. I'm out. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Back to the shadows again.